coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzz on Movies. I'm Teddy. And my name remains Matt. Yes, we're still going by our same names. Haven't changed them yet. Keep you updated on that one. Try to keep them um, on your toes. Make people think that it could happen. Yeah, but yeah, we're still here. You might be surprised. It's been a little while, as always. We are here. <laughs> but, we are here. But shit happens. You know, it's the summer. We're all busy with all kinds of summer things going on. It's summer of love. Yeah. Um, well, for some of us, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I've been away for two and a half weeks overseas. Yes, that's um, true. You are. Yeah, and uh, we've been uh, we've been he- uh, rather reticent in our, our, our cross continental podcasting abilities. So, but we're finally getting back here to talk about what we've seen this summer. Yeah, um, it's like recap. a new school year. It's like we're starting a yeah. new school year. School's back from summer. <laughs> that's that's how um, the song goes, right? Yes, uh, something yes. like that. We're back. We're here to tell you all about our summer vacations, um, movies we saw, the things we've missed that have been going on in the meantime. There's been quite a bit. Um, but yeah, we're excited to be here again. Back yeah. on Buzz on Movies. So excited uh, to be here. Summer loving. So last. <laughs> I hence I, I I sense there's a lot of loving going on over there. I mean, I don't know. It's been a good summer. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> all right. <laughs> summer love, baby. Summer love. <laughs> All right. Um, why don't we talk about a little of what's been in the movie news recently? Um, oh, there's starting out with the hot stuff. Yeah, we got We got to start out with with the big uh, headlines here because what the people want. It's what the people want. It's what they expect. And we all know if you've been following movie news, what we're going to talk about first. That's Actually, right. There are two things I could think of. <laughs> well, there's one that's even more there's on brand than the obvious. other one. Yes. So. There's a new Saw movie coming out next Halloween. 2023. It's happening, folks. Can't Uh, wait. Yes. If it's Halloween, it must be Saw. So exciting. And we're very excited. It's another, it's, we're going back to the Halloween releases. I mean, that's super exciting right there. Also, Kevin Grutter, who directed one of the best installments, Saw 6, coming back to direct this one. Um, it's Talk very exciting. Back to me. Great developments. Um, super excited. We don't know a lot about it otherwise. Um, right? Unless I'm mistaken. Um, I don't think so. I mean, there um, were there were people talking like that it might be a prequel, but I feel like that's just speculation at this point. I don't think we have anything solid. Um, no, I don't think so. Um, it. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious about what it's going to be because the last two have obviously been sort of like offshoots. They've been like yeah. vague, vaguely spinoffs. I guess Jigsaw. I don't know that. That's just a weird movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely more interested in seeing a follow up to Spiral than Jigsaw. Yeah, I'm also totally down for something completely new in this one. Like yeah, whatever they want to do. I don't need it to be directly it. a spinoff of um. Whoa, uh, Spiral. Uh, <laughs> um sorry i wouldn't a... mind um because i enjoyed spiral but there's an angry dog in here i'm sorry about that it happens uh, but yeah um 
And there was an Anything? obvious follow room for follow up with Spiral, considering. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, obviously they could have followed up Jigsaw as well, but I feel like less people would be interested in that. Um, yeah, but obviously super exciting. We're we're really gonna be hyping this one up as always. So stay. You know tuned. us. You know us. Any developments will be covered on. This here. is only I the mean, second new Saw release since we started our show. That's I mean, true. Well, did we did we cover Jigsaw when it first came out? We've talked about know. Jigsaw on the pod before, obviously, because we've done multiple Saw series. Yeah. Um, yes. Well, um, <laughs> who could remember that? But yes. Um, yes. But no, Jigsaw came out in 2017, and I know that it was when I was still had. No, I don't think we talked about it. Um, yeah, true. That was that was the movie pass era, which kicked off the podcast. Right. Well, so that so. is like that is the proto podcast yeah. era. Um, but yeah, yeah. So we this is only the second one that we will have covered as a new installment on the podcast. Um, yeah. Very exciting. Super exciting. We will, we will keep everyone informed. I don't like to dig too much into like rumors and like behind the scenes stuff. I used to do that out. in the main Saw series. So I, I'm trying to stay away from it. Um, I've been no. trying. I tried to stay away from it for Spiral as well. Um, so I will try. But like obviously like casting news. I'm, yeah, I'm, we're gonna I'm get, gonna have trouble avoiding. Um, we're going to get the big headline stuff. We're going to be able to tell you who's who's going to be in the movie. And if it looks like it's going to be like a spinoff or something. Yeah. Like, or like yeah. in the main series somewhere. There's also like just so much gray gray space in the, the main narrative plot line. Like they're yeah. I mean, so they could go anywhere. Um, That's the whole fun of Saw is that the the movie is more concerned at this point. The series is more concerned at this point with uh like filling in little bits of the backstory than it is about like creating the ultimate test of your survival ability. Do you think they're gonna call it like Saw X? Do you think um they should. They really should. Do you think they're gonna do like Jason X is gonna be like in space. Um, yeah, saw in space. We haven't done kidding? any like completely batshit sequels yet, so like I'm wondering like when those start. Um, it would be that would be so incredible to see Saw take like that Friday the Thirteenth type angle and just start doing sequels that make absolutely no sense. Hey, like, you know oh. what? They they should take. I mean, take a page out of Predator's book. We just just take it somewhere totally different and see just yeah. see what happens um drop it into some completely on like an environment that nobody had considered before we do like medieval era saw which was like the writings that inspired john kramer oh my god that would be so funny (laughs) that would be hilarious um post-apocalyptic saw i feel like like, i do feel like like saw seven was the one where they build it as the one I've talked about this multiple times before, but that was the one where they seemed like they were going to try to do something like on a completely different crazy scale than they had done before. And then it just ended up being like kind of a kooky version of stuff we'd already seen. Well, yeah, but that's big. I think you're right. Um, and we've, oh, we've even explained, I mean, I've even said before or whatever. <laughs> um, I think it's just because they had to make it one movie instead of two movies. And you ended up getting like shafted on a bunch of um, ideas that like clearly needed more space to be fleshed yes. out. Yes. Um, so ideally this finally delivers on that concept or idea but we well, can't the last have too two many movies have vaguely hinted at like the idea of legacy like mm-hmm. um jigsaw to a 
sort of worst degree um speak yes. for the dead <laughs> um, um but um but like spiral you know was even you know sort of thinking about that obviously um yeah so you know it's the ideas out there um so it's possible this is just going to be like another like copycat type killer but i don't know if they would do just like a straight up copycat again um i feel like there will have to be more to it but we'll see um, um anyway moving on we, we're Let's get into what's becoming somewhat of a regular feature on this podcast, not from any choice of our own, Ezra Miller Corner. Uh, I was trying to think of like a, a like a news sound I could do, and then I like lost it. Like a breaking news <laughs> Breaking news. Ezra Miller has been arrested yet again. Uh, <laughs> they're always up to something. Um, oh, that kooky Ezra Miller always doing something. Um, this time Ezra Miller was arrested where in Vermont. Is that interesting, right? interesting prelude to the upcoming weekend for two of yeah. us on this podcast. Yes, um, that's true. That's true. Um, we are we are heading up to Vermont soon. <laughs> who knows? A, who will see um, a Buzzed on Movies <laughs> off pod meetup? Um, um, but we we will hopefully not be running into Ezra Miller that because be so fucking funny. Uh, if we ever if either of us ever saw ezra miller in public it would be like a like an emergency podcast yeah um, <laughs> Li- that'd be our first live podcast i would like just like, like send you like voice memos and be like just upload them just like unedited unfiltered just like my reactions to seeing them in public <laughs> um, uh, i'm gonna go live on like twitter i would have to like pick the fi- like i'd have to like be annoyed i'd have to like sing a bad karaoke song so that i w- could be sure that they would try to beat me up yeah that um, that's that's what what triggers uh, an attack yes. if you're singing bad karaoke apparently. but anyway in this incident ezra miller was arrested for felony burglary in vermont for apparently stealing a bunch of alcohol bottles from a house that was unoccupied i just like so many questions like <laughs> there's like not a like i you know i know that some a celebrity on Ezra Miller's level is probably less rich than we all think, but they're still like wealthy enough to not need to steal alcohol bottles. Like I, I feel like it's not about like not being able to afford it. Or anything. I know, like, I know. It's, it's like, just like the thought of it. Like to me, it's like I would never think about just like I need to break into a home and take something when I could just buy it. Yeah, I mean that's that's crazy for a celebrity. It's just it's just chaos. It's just. Ezra Miller is an agent of chaos at this they, point. They're just like, I don't even know. Like they have like some weird vision of what life is. I think they got stuck in a perks of being a wallflower phase. Like they're always like, like in that moment we were in infinite and they're like, so they're like, I'm infinite. So I can break into this house and steal this. <laughs> really believe they are still inf- inf- they, infinite. Well, they believe that they've got to like follow the passion and follow the moment, you know? So like if the moment tells them they need alcohol right there and the only place is this, house with nobody in it sure um you know it's just like this. be spontaneous you know? yeah that, <laughs> i think so i think it is um also obviously some like struggles with something i don't know what exactly those struggles are but there are struggles i mean and ezra miller agrees with that they say that they are struggling um and in light of their past behavior which i will say yeah. they said that about behavior that happened like 24 hours prior um, as though it was like a part of their past. Yeah, right, they finally released a statement, which is is crazy. Like that, this is 
like the fifth incident in the last few months. And then like, this is what finally gets a statement. And they said like, they've been going through some mental health issues and stuff and are seeking treatment. But also it's like, <laughs> you just say this like right after something happened as if it's like a pattern of behavior in the past and not like literally something that happened this week. <laughs> right. <laughs> Their statement really makes it sound like, uh, you know, I, in light of, you know, I, I've examined my past behavior and it's like, it like is your current behavior. Like you're still doing this, um, as we speak. Um, um, so very, I don't know. I really do hope that they get some help because clear. I mean, I don't know what's going on with them. Um, clearly something is though, but um, it's been a wild ride. Yeah. And the whole time, I think the funniest thing is that the whole time you've had like the flash movie, like being in limbo <laughs> and like, everybody's like, mm, and like HBO or whatever, Warner bros, whatever the Warner fucking, bros. I don't even, I can't keep track of who's in charge or owning what anymore. Um, it's the- Warner brothers, which is currently owned by discovery, right? Warner, Warner brothers discovery. Yes. Well, they've been like, and we still fully believe in the flash movie, but then you'll have IGN putting up articles that are like, why are they considering pulling the flash movie altogether? And it's like, hmm, I fucking wonder. I couldn't tell you why. <laughs> why um, could, could be, be that the lead is repeatedly popping up in a new state to beat some stranger up or something and and so like part of what makes this story even more hysterical is that like right after the burglary became news there was also a story that came out that there that warner brothers was doing reshoots on the flash movie during this whole crime spree like between the hawaii stuff and this (laughs) so it's like they just they called them in and like hey can you do a few more reshoots for us i know you're busy like beating people up in hawaii but we still need to cover a few more scenes. Like what the fuck? Like <laughs> it's been so surreal to like, I don't, I don't even understand how you do that. Be like, Hey, I understand like this like thing just happened and you are like in trouble with the law, but do you think you could come like shoot some more film? Just like, don't get mad on <laughs> set, I guess. Like, yeah, just don't, just don't beat anybody up on set. You know, there's like protocols on set to make sure nobody pisses Ezra Miller off. Like, Hey, like, don't play, don't like sing anything. Um, don't, <laughs> don't lock alcohol behind a door because they might break in. Um, I don't know. Like, very, just poor. I don't know. Just so many upsetting realities. I hope they, anyway, I hope they're sincere about getting help. It's hard yeah. to believe it when they say that, like, they talk the way that they're talking right after an incident has occurred, um, as though it's already a part of their past. You know, it's giving, like, I mean, you know, we all know people who are like, they do fucked up things and then they're like, oh, you know, I'm going to be a better person. I promise. And it's like, well, that was this morning. So like, <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. Let's give it some time. And they're they're like, no, no I'm better now. I promise. And it's like, mm, okay. But like, you know, that's what it feels like still. So let's just hope that they're right. sincere. We're um, just hoping that these, these are the first steps on a path towards improving the situation. And... That's all we can hope. The way for. we talk about it, it's like improving the situation because we don't even know what the fuck the situation is. No, like, you just like not. keep popping up places and getting into like legal trouble that seems completely bizarre and random. Like, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't know what it could be. But you know, though that's that's what's been dominating the news in movie world recently. Oh well, before we move on, there is another big uh, another DCEU related 
Oh God, as well. that drama. We, we have to talk. It's been overshadowed little... by Saw and Ezra. Yeah, it's um, a little old at this point, but we got to talk about this. This is super relevant is that the uh, the Batgirl movie that was going to be released in the DCEU that was apparently like finished. They, you know, they've it was already like in shot it. Right? It was in like... post production, basically done. Um, they now have decided they're not going to release the movie and are instead going to use it as a tax write off. Which is absolutely insane to me. <laughs> it's also like super fucked up. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, I get like, like people put energy into this movie and it got this far along yeah. and they're just like, we just want to tax write off. Sorry. Thousands um, of people put work into this movie. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, you know, we all know that the big movies are run by studio, like the big studios and they're all run like big businesses. We all understand that. And of course, like a big budget superhero movie is not the most artistic thing in the world, but you still hope that there's at least a little sense of artistry in there that like, Hey, we should release this because it's like the collective creative work of thousands of people who wanted to tell a story and entertain people and somehow like not paying as high taxes is worth more than that. And which is crazy. And like, we don't even know that they wouldn't have made a shit ton of money on this movie too. So So it could have been a, both a financial and artistic success. So here's the thing. This movie wasn't even like by superhero movie standards. It was, it had a budget of about $90 million, a lot of money to any normal person. Or, yeah. you know, whatever. But, like, by superhero movie standards, that's really not, like, huge budget. Yeah. That's, that's like, like mid-budget movie. Half of what the standard one costs. Yeah. Days. So, first of all, I am pro mid-budget action movies. If we could bring those back instead of, like, the super colossal budget movies so that Absolutely. everything is guaranteed yeah. to, like, flop if it doesn't make big, like, gangbuster numbers. Like, that'd be great. Like, um... um Second of all, like, so, like, that's one, like, one problem that I don't like about this is that, like, basically HBO is, or Discovery, whatever, fucking, um, like, we don't believe in the mid-budget movie. They want, like, the big budgets because they want to push these movies and make a ton of, you know, get a ton of tickets back. Um, fucking annoying, first of all. I just want mid-budget movies sometimes. Like, give me, like, I want to go back to the fucking 90s when you just, like, had some, like, mid-budget, low-budget action movies hitting the theaters all the time. Can we do that again? Yeah. Not everything has to be an event. Um, second of all, um, they were like, uh, you know, basically we, we do, it's not that we don't have faith in this movie or the cast or the crew, but you know, it's, it's too high budget to put on streaming and, and not big enough to put in theaters. And it's like, so you don't believe in it. Like, <laughs> I don't really, they, like, that's what you're saying. You don't believe in it to make back the money. Um, I feel like it could have made $90 million. Um, yeah. I feel like seems it could reasonable to me. The DCEU fans are pretty rabid. Um, and it had been a while. <laughs> and also another thing that they said was like that they were, they didn't feel like it fit into the, their vision of the new DC EU as being like high quality, like big integrated stuff, like what Marvel is doing. And like, well, that's kind of what I've liked about the last few movies that DC has been releasing is that they don't always do that. Like things like the suicide squad, which aren't afraid to be like wacky and a little different. And like the the batman movie that came out this summer like and joker like they've been making all sorts of 
crazy, unusual although, choices that have although been Although two very of those successful. are separate from the main DCEU. Yeah. So. Yeah, but still, they're doing they're doing yeah, all sorts DC of different just stuff. Doing different stuff. Yeah, with I, DC properties. Also, this movie was going to feature Michael Keaton, um, which was going to be yeah, cool as um, Batman. As Batman, we were going to see the return of of his Batman, which was setting up for the Flash movie. Really, yeah. Um, like, are we just not going to ever get to see that now? Even though, well, like, I think got... I think he's going to be in the Flash movie. Is the under or maybe that was cut? I can't remember. I can't keep <laughs> if, I can't keep track of it. If the Flash movie comes out, I mean, they're still the, they're trying the, the Flash. Flash movie has got to be a huge budget affair. They've, I don't think a tax write-off is enough for the, the Flash this, movie. Um, it's got to be the movie of the century at this point. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, what sucks is that it's probably going to be terrible. Like, it just like because I feel like it was started so long ago that it still follows the old DCEU style and template, which was not pleasant. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, whatever. Um, um, it also was going to start Brendan Fraser. Um, I was super oh, stoked to see Brendan Fraser. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that's so- exciting. I mean, at least we're going to get to see him in the whale coming up. Soon. Yes, but he was going to be the villain. He was going to be Firefly, which was going to be super cool. I thought that would be cool. Um, that would be cool. Yeah. You know, I was looking forward to that. Um, I'm just, J.K. I'm Simmons hope- was going to be in it. You know, there's like there's a lot of good stuff going on there, and they're just like not going to release it. Okay, I'm hoping we get it out in some form eventually i mean who knows maybe like as a like on a bonus but but i feel like because they're doing it as a tax write-off they they literally can't release it now i don't know but somebody 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 might someday somebody somebody if if you work for warner brothers just go find the server get yourself a hard drive (laughs) uh keep keep in touch keep in touch I guess, like, mainly, I have to say, it kind of sucks for Leslie Grace, who was going to be the star of this movie. Um, Major shout out to her, because that sucks. Um, This was probably, she was thinking this was going to be a pretty big break for her. Um, Oh, yeah. um, I mean, In the Heights was not really the the break that anybody um, was expecting out of In the Heights. Um, So I think she was probably super excited about this movie. Um, It sucks that it's just not going to see the light of day, because people wanted to make more money. Um, kind of sucks. So, yep, that's that's the the world we're living in now. The whole uh, HBO like, thing is a fiasco in general, though. Like, yeah. And so this is just one casualty of that. We should also note Scoob Holiday Haunt has also um been scuttled. Thanks yeah. to this, and this... that one was apparently so far along that they were recording the score for it. Yeah, like, and they got the word that like the movie was canceled and they already had like the orchestra and everything booked. So they like, they just went ahead and recorded the score anyway. <laughs> it's very so weird sad. story, but it's like, uh, like who knows if any of that's going to see the light of day. Also, that was, how was Scoob holiday haunt, not prime straight to streaming? Like, yeah, I don't understand that. That seems like, I mean, it's Scooby-Doo. It's holiday stuff. It's going to be on streaming. People are going to watch it. People are going to show it to their kids. Yeah. I mean, I I just don't, I don't understand a lot of this stuff that they're doing. I'm not, I can't pretend to be the sort of person who could run a billion dollar media company. I'm just saying that these, these decisions don't make a lot of sense. I think they, I mean, the whole, none of the explanations they've given make any sense. either. No. The only one that makes any sense is when they say they want to be like Marvel and that makes sense in a vacuum, but doesn't make sense in reality because they don't, you're not going to be like Marvel. First of all, it makes sense. Marvel has been a, it has been a shocking success. I don't think you're going to replicate that. Like, 
Yeah, that's you know? the thing. And we've seen like many companies try and fail, like right. with the dark universe and stuff like that. All and right, like well, that was maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I I just feel like Marvel is like is like a one in a billion juggernaut. And yeah. like, yes, what they've done is very impressive. And you can sort of try to emulate some of their more successful aspects to get success of your own, but being like we're not marvel we need to be marvel is like such a crazy standard to hold your uh your franchise to right also like they're, they're fucking fall disney short the entire marvel time. is fucking disney like they there's a whole tradition of how to sell these movies and market them and write them so that people will compulsively watch them that's like this company knows how to handle like what like yeah. nobody's going to replicate that it's like a and it's crazy to expect them to and also like maybe people don't want the exact same thing from the other big superhero franchise. Yeah. That's, that's the other thing I, I found did DCEU to be like a breath of fresh air whenever I was getting sick of the Marvel stuff, but still all the stuff that's available is superhero stuff anyway. So I'm like, well, at least this superhero stuff is a little different, but now they're just going to try to make it exactly the same. Oh boy. That's going to be fun. Um, <laughs> oh. And this is part of like, this is only like the tip of the iceberg again, in terms of the stuff that they've been doing. Like apparently they've been removing a lot of yep. original content from HBO max. Yep. Like stuff that was on there already, like fully released and is now gone. And there's just like no way you can watch it. That's what I, that's um, what I heard. This is a, this is a really weird uh, circumstance here where it's like, there's stuff that, that was, fully readily available and now it unless somebody is like pirated a copy of it somewhere which i'm sure someone has god bless the pirates um <laughs> there's just no no way to publicly access it anymore it's right. like lost media from a year ago that that's crazy it but sucks is what it that's is the kind of thing that can happen in the streaming era when uh when films don't get a physical release so uh just start hoarding your blu-rays people that's what i've been doing <sighs> Well, it's a bummer. It's bleak, but you know what? We push on. We're going to we'll do our best to survive the current media landscape. And uh with that, why don't we get into some of the things we've been watching these days? Uh by the way, we didn't we didn't lead off with this. Really should have. Uh but the movie we're going to be focusing on mainly tonight. <laughs> It's been a while since we've done this. All right. The movie we're mainly going to be focusing on tonight is Nope. nope. The recent directorial release from Jordan Peele. Yes. Um, you know, he's given us us. He's given us get out, uh, get out. And now we're, we're at his third movie. It's, it's interesting to see him like really establishing himself here. It's, um, this is a good one. I'm very excited to talk about this one. It's very good. Uh, but before we get into it, let's talk briefly about some of the other stuff we've been seeing because it's been a long summer and there's been a lot that we've seen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry. I'm uh, watching traffic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You go through that light. Well, there's somebody like dodging cars. Um, Ooh, hope he lives. Or Yeah. Yeah, they did. I don't know. Oh, um, so God. let's uh, let's talk about it. What have you been watching? What have you been? Uh, what's your summer movie vibe? Ben? OK, so let's uh, let's lead off with um, the 
maybe the craziest movie I've seen in theaters this summer. Was it Minions, The Rise of Gru? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> great movie, but... Um, Ooh, great. That's an interesting choice of words. Um, let's talk about Elvis. Ah! <laughs> Elvis, um, I really did not know what to think. Um, when I, I still heard don't it. know what to think about this movie. I, I've I, seen I, the movie and I barely know what to think. It's hard movie. to know. It's hard to know what to think at all about this movie ever. Uh, there's really no definitive take that one can have. But I, I really did not know what to think when I heard that Baz Luhrmann was making an Elvis movie. I when it's I saw actually, to me, it seemed right when I knew that it was him. It did seem right. He's theory. really the only person who can match the over the top energy of elvis in his career and just like and like, like the what elvis means as like an as a, a piece of american iconography yeah yeah you a know? cultural icon a piece of american Although history Lerman, just, but yeah um. <laughs> somehow yeah. the 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 australian yeah. is the most american <laughs> person in the room um but you know it wasn't until i saw the trailers that i was like okay i'm fully on board with this Right. And the movie was even crazier than the trailers let on. I mean, even like the first five minutes alone with yeah. like all the different spinning graphics and all the L.A. stuff, not L.A., Las Vegas, Las Vegas stuff, like sweeping down the strip and everything yeah. as, as our main, our secondary main character gets flown by in an ambulance. Um, well, arguably the main character. Yeah, interestingly, the, the, the movie is kind of framed through Colonel Parker as if it's more his story, even though Elvis is the title character and the one everyone's here to see, which is an interesting choice, but it kind of makes sense. I guess. Given the way it's the a movie little like of... making like Captain Hook the main character of Peter Pan. Um, well, it's the movie's kind of about how Colonel Parker like takes over Elvis's life and just makes all these choices for him, which sort of... He's a bad guy. Bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Bad guy. Yeah. Um, but it makes sense. It, it kind of justifies the, the framing structure and everything. I think it's, um, po yeah, I think it's very, po yeah, I don't know. I think it's possible to make a great movie out of making him the main character. I'm not sure this movie succeeded in the greatness factor. It wasn't bad, but yeah. great might be a strong word for this. I, I just really enjoyed it. It was so stylish. Yes. Every, like every time that it felt like it might be slowing down, you got like, fucking sandblasted into another scene i like that or something else um, completely different was happening there were some there, just, there were a lot of fun transitions speaking of sandblasting into another oh scene. yeah um, oh yeah this was almost like saw four level transitions here wow. like very few things compared to the <laughs> saw four transition of our age um <laughs> oh picturing that um but yeah there it, there was just it was very visually chaotic and great on that level um i really enjoyed that i mean Bos Lerman is always uh a visual it's it feels like obvious to say somebody's a visual director but he's really like yeah. you know that's just what he does um, he's the epitome of style above all else I style over substance style, style yeah. over substance there's there's some substance there too but style but there's not comes always first. with Bos Lerman so <laughs> that's true we, you know, um, sometimes Baz Luhrmann decides we don't need substance. Arguably, The Great Gatsby was like substance. Eh. Um, yeah, you know, um, uh, arguably, even though I love it, Moulin Rouge's substance is about as deep as like 
a saucer of water. Um, oh God. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but it's a great movie, but it's all style. You know, um, there's no real depth to it. Um, but yeah, so, you know, um, and that's kind of true here too. In a lot of ways, there's no, no subtlety. Um, Bob Lerman doesn't do subtle, which I admire. Um, but it's, I like it. It was very fun. I liked um, how they were like, you know, Elvis had a movie career, but I think we can cover that with one song. And I was like, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> Literally just like a song and a montage. And that a was song it. that was <laughs> actually, what was it? It was like Viva Las Vegas, but the backing music was Toxic by Britney Spears. And I was like, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. All, the, all the, the music in this movie is so crazy and so much fun. All these wild mashups, which are exactly what you come to expect from Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. The the song credits in this movie were seriously like three minutes long. Like right. they just kept scrolling. I was like, oh my God. I didn't even realize there were that many songs in it. But there's like multiple remixes of every Elvis song. Yes. There's like all sorts of non-contemporary music that's been mixed in there, more modern stuff. But like what Baz Luhrmann likes One to do- One thing Baz Luhrmann is going to do is he's going to be anachronistic. He is yeah. like, <laughs> just too easy. Well, he's- his whole thing is to like, you know, you're not going to hype up a modern audience by playing music from the 1950s. So he mixes it with more modern stuff that'll get a modern crowd. Like, and admittedly, and he has never been more wrong about anything. The number one way to hype me up is certain Elvis songs. It'll do it. It'll do the trick. So that's true. I mean, but, you know, he's never seen weird. me karaoke suspicious minds. He's never. Oh, seen yeah. Um, so. Well, Suspicious Minds is is featured to great effect in this movie. Yes, um, sure is. Elvis's like Las Vegas era is like the best part of this movie. Yeah. Um, and Although it's very sad. It, yeah, it's it's very sad. Like it's just like a watching like a train wreck in slow motion. It does a very good job of portraying like the slow decline of his career and his health and everything. Um, Austin Butler does an absolutely incredible yeah, job. He's very very Elvis. good. Very good. Uh, very cool to see him doing like like this is like a really a breakout role for him it's really only... i want him to like look in the camera and be like eat your heart out rami malik like <laughs> exactly he's really making elvis like an actual character and not just like impersonating somebody which is like good for him like it's it's like a good performance for that you know uh, rami mm -hmm. malik was impersonating um yeah no, he, he does a great job of like, like, you know, getting his moves down and yeah. the dancing and the voice, but also like, he's just got his own thing going on. He's yeah. just g delivering a really powerful emotional performance yeah. in all the places where it's needed. Uh, and he, he hasn't really had a big role like this before. The only thing he's done that I've even seen him in was uh, he played Tex Watson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, yeah, and sure he was did. very... Very good in that. Very small role, but uh, he shines if you go back and see it. Uh, very excited to see what he does next. He uh, was in Sharpay's Fabulous Adventure. So, <laughs> Okay, I take it back. That was really, it's really all been downhill since then. That was him. his peak, <laughs> admittedly. Um, so if we could all give him respect. Um, we don't a, know if he'll ever hit that height he again. He was in Maybe. a horror movie with Miranda Cosgrove, and he was in The Dead Don't Die. But, you know, um, you know. Yeah. he's he's already been cast in uh the it's either the next dune movie or the third dune movie the next one dune of the dune movie. movies the okay movie. he's gonna be the next dune um, movie he's uh you know he he was like a big deal on like the nickelodeon era yeah thing, you know yeah, like he yeah. had a nickelodeon disney channel phase so that's probably where a lot of people might know him from if they're of our age 
maybe yep. a little younger. Um, yep, that was the the big talent incubator of the 2000s. Yeah, uh, um, but he's very, very good here. Um, so hopefully it leads to him getting some more good roles. Um, he does a good job. Yeah. And uh, I was impressed. Um, very exciting. Let's contrast him. Not contrast, but Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks <laughs> did... It's hot. Okay. It's an interesting performance to think about. Because I actually really like Tom Hanks. In he this, is so annoying. He's um, very controversial in this. But one. he's supposed to be annoying. Like, but he is like utterly unlikable. Like there is nothing. It's hard for me watching this movie. I was like, I don't know why Elvis wants to go with this guy. This guy is clearly a sleazebag. Um, yeah. Well, um, he, he's the snowman. He makes it snow. That's. Yeah. Yeah, that's if I hear one, one big, more snowman quote, um, that's his one big uh, like attractive quality. Hello, Mister Police. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I did. I did. As soon as I saw like the whole all the snowman stuff in the like yes. the very opening of the movie, I was like, oh god, no, uh, <laughs> Mister um, Police. Um, but but like, yeah, like that is like his one big thing. He's really good at putting together these really profitable deals, and he was good at like marketing and merchandising Elvis before that was like really a thing for pop stars. Yes. Yes. So I think that is a, yeah, kind of created the first big superstar in a way through the marketing efforts. But yeah, it like he was an absolute sleaze bag. He like built every last cent out of Elvis and treated him really badly. And all that is he on killed the screen him. here. He killed yeah. Elvis pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> he most by most he pushed him part. to his death is yeah. how i should say that there is no active murder um at least not in any way that the courts could you know yeah although realistically if you force pills on somebody god damn like but you know um he's a bad guy um tom hanks is definitely controversial here i think some of the dislike for his performance has been overhyped um people are saying that it's one of his worst performances i'm not sure about that um although also that's um saying something is one of tom hanks's worst performances is sort of like well you know that the yeah he's got a career of great he's performances, otherwise so. never really had a bad performance so you know, i mean what does that mean really right um um, yeah. um but well, i thought it was an interesting move for him i mean you know he's got heavy makeup and everything he's doing a weird accent but i still think he brought like a special something to that role that uh that only tom hanks could have absolutely done. And, yeah it, it was a very it's a very unique and interesting character the likes of which that we don't often get on the screen especially portrayed by somebody like tom hanks so right. it was an interesting uh thing to see that yeah yes it was it was very let's say interesting i yeah, yeah i you know i did overall like it i just think it's yeah. worth mentioning how many people seem to have disliked it Compared to just about everybody is praising Austin Butler. Um, yes. Yeah. So. I mean, he's getting universal praise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well-deserved too. Yes. But yeah, it's interesting. Um, but I, I think that, that overall there's a lot of great acting in this movie. Uh, God, what, what's his name? The, the guy who was just in power of the dog was also in this movie playing also like wearing a cowboy hat and everything. So, Oh, like uh, Cody Smith McPhee. Cody yeah, Smith McPhee. McPhee. Yeah. Was in this movie. I forgot uh, about that. He was early on. Oh, he was so sweet. Rel <laughs> relatively small part, but he, he, he 
he killed it in his little uh, little cameo here. Yes. Also, like wearing the cowboy gear again. Very fun to see that again. Yes, I did. Uh, I did like that. I I did. Um, I thought he he was good in that role. Um, aw, he was kind of sad. His character was kind of sad. Uh, kind of yeah. Depressing. <laughs> it's uh, like it's like he like so badly wanted to be Elvis. Yeah, that was like, a little he, uh, like to have whole thing going on there. a little too bad um you know who doesn't want to be big and famous um <laughs> but it was uh a little sad um dagger montgomery was in this movie the red power ranger um i like how oh. that's how i know him um as the red <laughs> power ranger and not as yeah. that guy who was in stranger things season two and three or whatever um um oh uh-huh. um he was one of those guys who was trying to like get Elvis back on track. Like they're, they're putting on the Christmas special. He was one of those guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 The, um, the Hollywood guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, who yeah. were much better for Elvis than um, fucking Tom Hanks would have been. But Yeah. Um, you know, Tom Hanks got his claws in deep. Um, yeah. So that's Elvis. I feel like we've talked a lot about Elvis and we've got so many yeah. other movies we saw. We what? don't want to spend that much time on all of them. Um, <laughs> We can't. We can only talk about Elvis for so long. So yes. yeah, we got to move on. I feel Let's like we actually Black... both could talk about Elvis for a while. It is. We could. We could we are both Elvis, Elvis fans, but... I believe. Um, oh yeah, external to yeah. <laughs> I've, I've made the I've made the pilgrimage to Graceland. Yeah. I own I own the sunglasses. Right. Like, I'm a big fan. We yeah. are all yeah. We so we actually uh, both could probably talk about it for a while. It was nice to see him on the big screen. All all that aside, you know, like all just talking about the movie as a fan. It's nice to see Elvis on the big screen. I think this did him justice pretty right. well. Um, let's talk about the Black Phone. Woo! Yeah, there's a good movie. About the Black Phone. Yeah, love the Black Phone. Um, you know, of course we're gonna love this movie. Um, Horror movie set in the seventies. Um, you know, what's what's not to love about that? It's got a creepy performance by um. Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, yes. Ethan Hawkey. Um Ethan Hawke making his return with Scott Derrickson. Um Oh yeah. It's exciting. Um we all know and love Ethan Hawke from um God, what's that movie? Uh Sinister. <laughs> <laughs> Sinister, yes. Oh man, uh our our corded sweater wearing king in that movie. Yes. Um, uh, that was me during one phase of the pandemic was um Ethan Hawke's <laughs> a la Sinister um style inspo yeah um so i really uh, yeah so ethan hawk scott derrickson great pairing that keeps coming back um big fan um ethan hawk was very good in this in a creepy way obviously um it was honestly yeah. overall a pretty creepy movie um i thought like the the scariness of it was a little over over exaggerated by some of the pre you know people were like well this is so fucking scary and i was like well like <laughs> It's like creepy, but it's not like, like I'm not gonna lose sleep over this. Um, maybe somebody, maybe as a non like nine year old boy who's not at risk of being kidnapped by the grabber. Um, but yeah, yeah, I feel like this would be very scary for children. Uh, don't bring your kids to see this. But um, the, somebody like tweeted about somebody in their screening shitting their pants during the movie. I'm like, okay, like hold on, like what are you talking? I don't about? what do you know mean? if that was connected to the movie, like. There were a couple it's of like not... really effective jump scares, but like yeah, because um, like the jump scares were used pretty sparingly in this movie, I would say, and um, they yeah. were effective when they showed up. Um, so that I don't know, but shitting your pants, mm, um, yeah, but you know, um, so happens. the basic 
premise of this movie is that like the the main kid has been kidnapped by the grabber who's this terrifying pedophilic serial killer who's wears a creepy mask and keeps kids in his basement and like he the whole time he's down there he's getting phone calls from the previous victims who are like trying to help him escape right. and like giving him little tricks that can like help him um it's based on like, a short story, right? It's uh, by, yeah, um, so, story by Joe Hill, Joe Hill, yeah. uh, son of Stephen King. Yes, but um, great author that haven't read the yes. story, but yeah, he, he's great. Um, and the the parts with the kids, like on the phone, are all like very creepy. Like they've got this this really eerie quality about them. Like with the the sound coming through like the phone mm-hmm. yeah it's got like that that phone quality but you can see the kids in the room talking with that voice some of those are the and, most effective like scares when you see the kids and they're like looking like fucked up zombified um yeah. i think we need to interrogate scott derrickson's thing with like zombified ghost kids um a little upsetting um in a like what happened kind of way um like <laughs> He knows it's fucked up and creepy. Yeah, because it's it's effective, and he's good at he's good at putting creepy kids on screen. Um, not all people are. Some people think that kids are just creepy by default and think that that will work. But um, Scott Derrickson knows how to make them creepy, and that's effective. Um, yeah, those parts are really good. Um, it's also like strangely emotional. Um, <laughs> like at the end when like the things are coming together and like we're fighting back against the grabber i'm like hell yeah it's like yeah moving um yeah it's um, a big powerful moment yeah it's also like about like boyhood friendship which is kind of nice yeah and about like like trying to grow up and mm -hmm. like become like self-sufficient being able to fight for yourself yeah um, so that's pretty cool. Um, there's also like a brother sister plot. That's really good. Um, their parent is the fa is, is, um, some of you might know is Faraday from lost. I couldn't get that out of my head the whole time I was watching. And I was like, <laughs> it's Faraday. Um, 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 but he's less of a good guy in this movie. Oh, he is not. He's not great. No, um, <laughs> pretty bad parent. Um, <laughs> So it's too bad for these two kids who have a bad parent. And then one of them gets kidnapped by the grabber. Um, <laughs> um, um, the grabber wears a creepy mask, not a mask. Wears, I want to see in public. Um, he wears a couple creepy masks. That's also the... the black balloons are a lot. Like, I do think that if somebody has black balloons, that's a sign to run away. I think like, yeah. like if all of your balloons are black, it's like, Hmm, that's not like the norm in any celebratory sense and you don't have balloons for a funeral so like it's just what are we doing this part-time magician (laughs) who's driving around in a van with black balloons that's not sketch at all yeah i mean that's also another thing it's like if if a magician goes up to you as a child not that we have any children listening but if a magician walks approaches you ever it's sort of like you should probably like like if you're not in a space where magicians are expected, you should run the other way. If you're in a space There's, where magicians are expected, like there are spaces for magicians. Um, yes. They, um, they, they, they're not allowed within a few yards of a school. Or whatever. But, if, but if you're um, in a space where magicians are not like, if you're not expecting to see a magician there, it's like, that's a bad sign. Like if somebody tells you that worse, they're a magician. There's nothing um, worse than an unexpected magician. Like that's, you know your day is about to go down. Like if you're walking down like the suburb streets and like there's like somebody approaches you and they're like, yeah, I'm a magician. And it's like, um, what the fuck? Like, like no. we don't admit that. Like, we don't talk about that here. Like, what? 
Um, so, Go away. Yeah. Um, you're either in for one of two things. They're actually just a creepazoid or you're experiencing that one short from VHS 2. Um, and you should really <laughs> run away because they might have unlocked some evil dark hell portal. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't want that. Um, James Ransone is also in this movie. Of course. It's uh, a Scott Derrickson movie. Yeah, James yeah, Ransone another, must make an appearance. Um, another throwback to Sinister here. Uh, and Sinister 2. And Sinister yeah. 2. He's in, he yeah. makes the cut for Sinister 2. His character is less helpful and a lot more goofy in this movie. <laughs> That's yeah. Um, big fan of that. <laughs> I do like. I do like when when somebody like completely subverts their character from another movie. That's always fun. James Ransone is very funny in this. Um, I like. I like him a lot. Um, no, he's playing like a weird like conspiracy guy who's like thinks that he's mapped out exactly where the grabber is it's funny because he's kind of like like somebody who listens to true crime podcasts in 2022 but like in the 70s so yeah um, (laughs) yeah it's like we're taking jabs at the true crime people here i um, thought that was kind of fun so i do like that um he was he was really fun in this um yeah just so i you know the main boy um was also very good um we should give props to mason thames is that how you say yeah. that? I guess. I guess so. Um, kind of seems like Thames. it should be. Te- yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> um, Who knows? Um, um, but he, I thought he was he was really good um, in the lead. Um, it's yeah. easy for a leading child in a horror to be purely annoying. I didn't think he was. Um, so that was. Um, I thought it was good. And he the terror of the Thames. Thames. Um, wow. You can't just say Thames because it rhymes with Ames. Yeah. <laughs> we really, um, we couldn't go a pod, a pod without, without a reference. Um, you know, it's been a while. We, we have to get in song references, cast references. There's one know, other big reference that we'll have to get on. Huh? Oh, it's coming. It's coming huh? <laughs> um, um, yeah. So yeah, well. overall, just a great, um, a great, great, great little horror movie. And it did really well gotta say yeah. love when new non-franchise horror does really well it's not like totally like new property because it's based on a story but um you know um no, it, it made tons of money yeah and it's gonna you know sequel talks have started always. you know of course um yeah not really sure we where else you go i guess there are a bunch of other kids but we kind of know how their stories end so it's a little less yeah. interesting um it would be kind of hard to make a sequel to this one but you could make like a related movie or like a prequel who knows right just um just give us more joe hill and scott derrickson like yeah all that stuff yeah and c robert cargill who frequently works with uh scott derrickson as well. correct yes yeah so uh, good movie Glad, glad we, uh, glad we, glad we, yeah. just glad we, glad, I'm going to leave very that, glad, leave it there. Very I'm glad, glad we, we. Um, I mean, hell, this thing is, um, big enough. They're already making a, uh, a haunted house at, uh, Halloween Horror Nights for it. Yes. But it's like Bloom House a little bit more than just this, right? I think there's, yeah, um, well, it, it's part of the, the, the Blum House multi-film house, yes. which they usually do. Yeah. But it is making it into the, into the, um, I think. It's into the Blum House. It's into um, the, yeah, and but this the year is that I went in it, so the year that I went, they did Happy Death Day and Purge Anarchy. This one's get gets freaky so is, and um the Black Phone. Um, that's gonna be fun. Those yeah. are both really good ones for Haunted House. Freaky is so fun. It's kind of hard to imagine it being genuinely scary, but like because it's like funny. It's very funny. It's a very funny movie. Um, yeah, I, 
it's going to be interesting to see how they work that into a haunted house because you have to be kind of like the the whole thing is like the body swap thing. How do you make that? How do you bring that concept into a haunted house? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But podcast they, field they, trip, I guess. Yeah, they can figure it out. Like the Happy Death Day one was really cool. They had you like keep popping up in the, in a different room that looked like the same room you entered through in the beginning. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, but like different things would pop out at you each time. Like they, they use the concept pretty well. So I'm sure they can. I'm sure they'll figure it out. Yeah. I don't one. know how you yeah, I, mix the two. Black but... phone, obviously. Like yeah, there's that, plenty you the can do creepy there. Yeah. basement sets and everything. Perfect for a haunted house. And some creepy kids uh, get somebody in some creepy masks. Float, yeah. float some black balloons around. Make yeah. some phones ring. We'll be good. Good times. Yep, that one's good as done. All right. So uh, let's briefly talk about the minions. <laughs> oh, I don't <laughs> even want to talk about it. I didn't like it. Um, look, I know some people thought it was actually good. I just did not have a fun time. I don't like uh, the minions. I don't like looking at them. I don't want to see them. I don't like their weird little banana looking ass selves. So I don't like the way the they talk. Is, I don't mind them. So as I'm biased. Much in the movies as much as i like i mind like their whole cultural impact i don't like seeing like dolls of them everywhere and like them on inflatable minions everywhere and fucking just minion everything everything in the minions the stupid facebook memes and everything god but i don't actually mind them in the movies as much and i thought this was like i didn't see the last minions movie i didn't see despicable me three so it's been a while since i've seen the minions and anything but I thought this was pretty fun. You know, the minions weren't too annoying. They had kind of a fun story arc. I liked the 70s setting and seeing Gru as a kid and like trying to make his way as a new supervillain. That was kind of a fun story arc. Uh, mostly I liked the 70s setting. I thought that was fun. Yeah, they that played makes a sense. Lot of, they played a lot of music I've been obsessed with for the past couple of years. So that yes. was good. The setting was pretty fun. I did like that. Um there are like things to like about this movie if you're not blinded by hatred for minions. That's the problem, yes, is that, that I really that dislike the minions. Um, so I was not somebody who should have seen this movie, but, you know. And yet you did. Well, like you, I you love to subject myself to the things that I hate. Um, the good news is it's like an hour and 25 minutes yep, long. That's one so of the reasons I, I ended up seeing it. I was like, how? It goes yeah. by like a breeze. Yep. Um, that was super easy to watch. It'll okay. probably get a like best animated picture fucking nomination, so... Uh, probably will. It won't deserve it, but <laughs> it probably will. Be glad I watched it just because it gets a nomination and I won't have to watch it later. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, where the crawdads sing? No, that was bad. <laughs> Look, um, I thought this was kind of fun in a way, um, in like a, like a made for TV lifetime movie kind of way. Okay. Yeah. If it, As, yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Um, it felt more like that. You know what it oddly really reminded me of? <laughs> Oh God! It's Coda. Coda. Whoa. Um, For some reason, the lead really reminded me of the girl in that movie. Oh, really? Um, that's interesting. Some, yeah, just something about her. I don't know. Just maybe it was. They were both kind of bland and uninteresting. Um. Oh, I don't think that's fair to Daisy Edgar Jones. I think she's and there good. was um, you know, and there was like fishing involved and stuff. <laughs> What's that thing may be very different um places and and um <laughs> um maybe like the the writing quality something about it just was like all right this is the last movie i watched writing quality like that this. was such a dig um <laughs> was like coda but overall but this I movie actually... isn't it's more like like um 
the woman in the window or like fucking the girl on the train. You know, it's like that yes. kind of movie. Yeah, it is kind of like that. Um, Which is just like a, 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 a type that got played over, played out like almost immediately because like they, they kept not coming up with anything new. Um, mm-hmm. um, so that's my, you know, th- I mean, but like if you just like like a slightly like indulgent, melodramatic, you know, if that's like your kind of thing, like you'll you might enjoy this. Like I I'm not gonna yeah. pretend I didn't like have fun watching it. It's like, a melodrama thriller. It's got it's got a fun setting. It's yeah. got a few interesting side characters. It's kind of like moody. Good. Like the atmosphere is pretty pretty good. Um, you know, it's not like all a loss. It's just that it's not certainly nothing new to the table, and certainly is a little self-important given the, the content here. Um, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's one thing if you're like, you know, ridiculous, but you know it, it's another thing when you're kind of like taking yourself pretty seriously. And it's like, all right, we can chill out a little bit. Like, yeah. um, so the, so the movie, just, just to give a very brief synopsis, the movie's about this, uh, this girl who like grew up in the, in the marsh, mostly without parents and just kind of raised herself there who oh, becomes there. a murder suspect after this guy she was associated with turns up dead. Again, we've all uh, been there. Yeah. You know, it happens. Um, I did think it was really funny how like everybody in this film was like, Oh, the marsh girl, oh, yeah. you know, the marsh girl. <laughs> like there aren't, first of all, a bunch of people who live on this marsh, but also, like, that's, like, her defining thing. Like, it's not like they're calling her, like, a feral girl or something. They're just like, oh, the girl who lives on the marsh. Yep. Uh, yep. It, it reminded me of, like, in um, in Cirque de Freak, the vampire's assistant, where the oh, girl's like. Oh, my God. <laughs> where the girl's like, I'm a monkey girl. And you're just <laughs> expected, you're expected to know what that means. Like, I don't. Okay. You know, a marsh girl. A marsh girl. One of them marsh, one of them marsh girls. Don't you know? Don't you know? Um, we all have a marsh girl. We all know what a marsh girl is. Um, this film was girl. produced by Reese Witherspoon. I know. That's a crazy thing about this movie. Reese Witherspoon loved this book. Loved this book by Accomplice to Murder, Delia Owens. <laughs> um, <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly. Let's cover our ass here. Um, um, yeah. So Reese Witherspoon loved that book. And so she did produce this movie. Um, she really needed this, this story to be out there on the big screen. Um, it's not like a total loss. Like I do think it was like a little bit unfairly like slammed by critics. Like, you know, it's I like the worst thing in the world. Like there are yeah. worse movies out there. Um, you could watch that Amy Adams movie. You know, the one. You know the one. Wait, which one? The woman in the window. The woman. The woman. Oh across yeah, the yeah, street. Yeah. Whatever it is, where Amy Adams is the the um agoraphobic woman. The woman in the window. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, that was not a very good movie. Um, no. And, no. And did not use its setting nearly as effectively as I thought. Where the Crawdads Sing did. Um, so you know, like you could do worse if you're looking for this sort of that this variety of thriller. You know what I mean? Um. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it, you know. It was like a fine, like I saw it on like a, a muggy sort of dreary summer afternoon. It was like a good movie to see on a day like that. You know, when I wanted to be inside out of the weather and it's, you know, it fit. I don't know. So this was, this was the first movie I saw after coming back from Kyrgyzstan. It was like, I'm coming back to America. You know, like this is, 
This is what America's about. Well, this is a real American film. This is what it's like people, here in America. People um, getting murdered in the marsh, you know? Did not do my best North Carolinian accent. Good old um, US of A. Um, hey, you know what? What happens in the marsh stays in the marsh. Um, so, gotta say. Got to no, say. I did think it was funny that, that that guy had to go off to college at UNC. <laughs> Like I'm going off to North Carolina Chapel Hill. I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> oh boy, um, oh boy, um, go root for the Tar Heels. Oh God, oh, I'm rooting for the Tar Heels. Um, fuck off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, my family's actually a Tar Heel family. My North Carolina. Family, <gasps> oh no, my North Carolina family. You know, um, as we all know, my my the family that primarily raised me is is of an even worse fandom. Um, one whose mascot is a certain Turkey that I won't one speak of. Who we dare not name. Um, yeah. So, um, we shall not be spoken on. This um, so, you know, but my, my, the, the family of mine that is from North Carolina does quite, uh, root for the Tar Heels. Um, it is a truly unfortunate state of affairs when nobody in my family roots for me and my team. Um, that is unfortunate. So, um, I might be the marsh girl of my family. Um, <laughs> you're, you're the marsh girl. I'm the marsh girl. Um, and the monkey girl. And the monkey girl. Um, well, I've long been the monkey girl. Um, <laughs> we all knew that. Um, what does the boy sing? What does the lizard boy sing? What is his line? He says, I want to be your, um, dumpster baby. I want to be your dumpster baby. I'm also the dumpster baby of my family. And you know what? That is a conversation for my therapist, but is truer than one might think at first. Oh place. no. Um, so, Yikes. um, yeah. Podcast therapy, podcast therapy. Oh, yeah. Welcome. We're changing things up here. <laughs> We're an hour into this episode. So we've decided to just change the tune. Um, it's therapy now. Um, but yeah, so where the crawdads thing, maybe wait yeah. till it's on home release, but it was all right. It was, it was pretty fun. It'll probably um, be streaming on like one of the main platforms at some point. So, you know, if you if you catch the trailer, you can basically get the vibe of it. Yeah, it's it's all right. Yes. Anyway, any other releases we want to talk about before we get into nope? I just want to plug Resurrection, starring Rebecca Hall. Go see it. Um, real good. Rebecca Hall is an awesome actress, and she's very good in this movie. She is. Um, so go see. I've not seen it, but I always love Rebecca Hall. Yeah. She's incredible. She's super good in this movie. Um, really, really, really worth seeing. Um, very strange too. So um, be prepared for that. Um, um, but it's pretty Ooh. good. It's kind of like, like it's definitely tackling similar themes to Men, but I do think it was better than Men. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a little less like. Like men gets real fucking weird at the end. Um, this one doesn't yeah, quite do that. Yeah. Although it is pretty weird too, in its own way. I want to be clear. Um, so um, it does. Ki- Some people might think it gets as weird as men. In my mind, it did not. But um, but I did think it was overall like tenser and like more like kind of like frightening than men um, in some ways. Mm. Um, and it's about some other things too. Just if you see it, you'll understand what I mean when I say it's covering similar ground. Um, Okay. Um, so it's interesting that they kind of both came out around the same time. Um, um, but, you know, I think a lot of people are thinking about um, men and women and, you know, things like that. So um, um, it kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. So go see that. That was good. I liked it. I don't know what else I want to plug, but that was a good one. Um, All right. I definitely want to check it out now. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so um, why don't we move on to our main topic of discussion tonight? Uh, the new Jordan Peele feel the Peel film, the Peel new feel? Jordan the Jordan Peel film, the Peel film, the new Jordan Peel film. Nope, nope. Um, this one was very good. It's kind of unclear what it's about from the trailers, but we're definitely going to spoil it in this review. So if you haven't seen it yet, um, first of all, I highly recommend it. Go check it out. Very good. Um, yeah, but if you haven't also, seen it, don't listen to the rest of this episode until you have. Yeah, be Unless warned. You don't we'll care try about to spoilers. We'll try to give a spoiler warning when we really start, but it's going to be tough. Um, There's like no way to cover this movie and not talk spoilers like right okay so let's get into it nope is about this family that has this ranch like a like a hollywood ranch where they raise horses for the movies and they start seeing these weird things happening at night with the horses running off and disappearing Weird shit happening. Again, we've strange, all been there. We've all been there. Strange anomalies with the, the electricity. You start to suspect that there might be alien stuff afoot. Do, 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 do. Hmm. And sure enough, that's what we got in this movie. This is an alien film, but a very interesting twist on one. Uh, yeah. That I think really, really works and makes it a. Uh, a very different so, installment in um, the sci-fi genre. Yeah, so uh, I guess mild spoiler, first of all, that we even said that it's an alien film. Um, but um, slightly mild spoiler, it's an alien movie and also just like a standard creature feature, which is super cool because um, this is also yeah. just like a gigantic monster, um, which is super cool because you don't know that going in. Um, so. Uh in the process of also making a drink as i do this so i'm oh. trying to talk while mixing um have at it um what what are you mixing by the way i'm drinking ranch water tonight um oh that's perfectly fitting yeah that was the idea some of us were trying to make drinks on theme oh i'm called. sorry i'm sorry i'm just drinking good old american beer here in a way that's also very mm. nope um yeah um, they are on a ranch this is a movie about certain American systems in some way. So, hey. Mm-hmm. What, what goes into the ranch water, by the way? I've never had a ranch water. Um, so, and I'm done. So, you know, um, I just sat back down. Um, did all that while talking. Thought that was, uh, you know, um, helps that I live in a New York City apartment. Don't have far to go. Um, well done. Yeah. Um, so, uh, a ranch water is tequila, obviously. Um, lime juice, you can use, you could take some liberty with how much or how little you use, but you need at least some. And um, do, I, it's got to be fresh. Um, don't do like the bottled, like sweetened shit. Um, um, and, you know, you can use that for some things, but not this, because um, there's not much else going on in it. Um, yeah, yeah. And so you mix that, um, and then you just top it off with, I use Topo Chico, um, but you could use any like mineral water type thing. So it's really important that you have good lime juice and that it's fresh because that's going to be the main flavor, right? Um, right. 
um, the, the mineral water isn't really adding a lot. It's just diluting um, um, the, the, the flavor of the tequila and lime. Um, so it's important that you use pretty decent quality tequila and good lime juice because otherwise you're going to have a shit drink. Um, um, it's really good and super refreshing because um, it's very light and easy drinking and I like it more than like a vodka soda or something. So it's good for me on that front. Nice. Um, what kind of tequila do you drink? This is not super great tequila. This is Corazon. <laughs> um, um, Corazon. But sometimes I use Lunazole. Sometimes I use Espelone. Um, it really depends on what mm. my um, liquor store has that day. Cause like, it's not like I live in like a state like Virginia that has like a standardized, Right. You know, like they right. always keep the same things in stock. Everything here is like privately one-off owned. So it changes regularly. Um, but I really do. I mean, I like Espelon if I just want like a, a Blanco or something. Um, um, I also do really like Casamigos when I feel like splurging. Um, Casamigos is a pretty good tequila. But usually I go for like cheaper tequilas because it's tequila. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I feel like tequila is one of those things where you actually can spend a lot of money on it. You, you can easily. I just bad... don't know that I always need to. Like other than like Fair. certain yeah. like lowest shelf tequila, like most of them are like decent. Um, I'm fortunate that like my liquor store doesn't really stock like, like, like I would never find like aristocrat. Um, Ugh, yeah you know what i mean like um they don't i don't even think they have smirnoff in my liquor store like um so like the, it's all like you know slightly elevated above that uh for the most part i mean they have like jack mm. but you know that's jack um um so yeah um so yeah right now though this is just corazon um which was just right. whatever well, was there sound sounds like a good drink it's very good it's very easy uh, very very on theme Good job. Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, like the whole most of the film takes place on ranches. We do get some scenes outside of ranches, um, including one of my favorite scenes, uh, the the one at the TV studio. Um, but mostly we're we're out on on various ranches. <laughs> that is here. a pretty upsetting scene. Um, so there's there's the Haywood Ranch, which is where the like our, our main characters are from. Um, and then there's also uh, Jupiter's Claim, which is like like a goofy like theme park type ranch. Hell yeah, I'd go there. Are you kidding which, me? I would fucking yeah. love that shit. Oh, I would absolutely go there. It it was so kitschy and goofy. I was, but I like the entire time I was like, yeah, I would go to a place like this. That is my shit. Like, I love kitschy and goofy. Even That's what at I this live age, for. Yeah, I would go check that out. That seems like fun. Uh, but yeah, the, most of the film takes place on one of those two locations. Um, so like the main characters, um, the Haywoods, yes, OJ and M played by Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer. Um, yes. And then the, uh, the owner of Jupiter's claim is Ricky Jupe Park, uh, played by Steven Yen. Yes. And like, great. Yes, the three of them deliver such amazing performances, like really anchoring this film. So great. And um so Jupe's backstory is that like he 
kind of he kind of got to to be where he is by being like a child star and it, part of that was he was on this show mm. um, that had like a monkey as part of the cast. Honestly, you probably heard, even if you haven't seen the movie, if you just read movie news, you probably know something about yeah. this monkey business. Monkey Gordy's, business. Hey, Gordy's home. Gordy's home. The name of the show. That was the name of the um, show. Apparently, like like just like a normal sitcom, but with the chimpanzee, and so it's like, oh, how wacky is it that they're living with this chimpanzee? Um, and there's like, there's this incident when the chimp goes crazy and like mauls the entire cast except for Jupe. And yes. so like his whole like backstory is that like he survived this crazy incident and now he's like pretty well off and he's running this goofy cowboy ranch. Yeah. I mean, we should be clear that like the Gordy incident is like, like a very, it's not just like played as like a, um, like a trauma in his life it's like a formative experience in like like the country it seems like everybody knows about gordy that like snl did a skit of gordy like killing yeah you know um which is also like like an extremely upsetting thing to think about like this this chimpanzee straight up murdered some people on set (laughs) and snl did a skit about it (laughs) but like you know that that would happen absolutely 100 percent. that's what's so great about like the way that they frame this incident is that they they like construct it like something that could have actually happened. Uh, and like with like all the little bit, little details and stuff like that. And like how it worked its way into pop culture and how like pe- he still gets people asking him about it. Like years later, it all feels like very real. Right. Yeah. Um, and so um, he's got, <laughs> he's got like this little museum to his time on uh gordy's home like hidden behind this panel in his office and stuff right and like he likes to like joke around about it a lot like oh like you should see that kooky snl skit they did about us and blah 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 but it's also clear like whenever you look into his eyes that he's like deeply traumatized by all of this and he's just like kind of pushing it down yeah um so he he's been like buying up horses from the haywood ranch and like they've been selling them off because they're kind of on hard times um mainly because like the patriarch of the family um who's played by keith david in a very brief but great role here um died a few months prior like in in the opening scenes of the movie in like this weird incident where like keys and chains start raining from the sky. It's like truly bizarre (laughs) over the ranch. Um, And the horse gets all spooked out. Right. So that's like kind of the, the, the intro of these weird incidents. Right. That we see there. That, that is played up as, you know, a plane, a bunch of change just fell out of a plane flying over the ranch at some point, just to be clear, which is of course insane. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah oh you know you know sometimes a plane just drops a whole bunch of coins mm-hmm. for no reason we like... of course learn more about why it happened but um yeah. it, it becomes clear what what actually occurred but um in the way that you know the death is explained to you know um keith david's kids is somehow some stuff fell out of the luggage compartment <laughs> yeah. um 
So like in, in the absence of the patriarch, uh, you've got OJ mostly in charge, which like, yeah, his name's OJ. Like that's played for a laugh briefly. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, OJ is mostly like running this business now, like training horses and bringing them to Hollywood sets to be in like commercials and stuff. And then his sister is also in charge. She's kind of the more outgoing, better able to communicate with people person, but she's also like more checked out of the business. She's trying to be like a singer and have all these other side careers. Whereas OJ's really just trying to keep the ranch running. Right. And so that's, that's our basic like setup and cast of characters here. Also, there's there's like a fun backstory to the Haywood Ranch where they say that like their like great 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 grandfather was the like the first person ever on film because he was the jockey in the Edward Moybridge yes. film of the horse, which like I like <laughs> that's just such a cool thing to work into the movie, like <laughs> literally be talking about the literal first movie ever mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. have that as like the the heritage of your character. I don't know if it's supposed to be that they're just like lying about it to like give themselves more credit or if it's actually him. Right. But either, either way, it's a cool thing to work into this movie. Right. Um, so yeah, like that's the basic setup. And from there, I think we're, we're better off just talking about like some of the bigger scenes and some of the stuff that we liked here. Okay. Um, some of the the themes of this movie. So one of one of the ones that that sank in for me the most was the scene where they first like realize that they're actually looking at an alien craft or what they think is a craft at first. Yes. Cuz for a while they're like, you know, they're suspicious that like they know that like horses have been disappearing, there's these electrical anomalies and all this stuff like that and they've been like trying to catch them with security cameras, but the electricity keeps going out. So they can't really do that. And, but like they, they got, they got this guy from like Best Buy <laughs> who's helping them out, which I think it's so funny that they're like, they're, well, it's not actually Best Buy, but it's like the equivalent of Best Buy, uh, that like their, their tech guy in this movie is like the Best Buy counter guy who like came in to install their security cameras. Yes. Uh, played by Brandon Perea and is very, very good. We should mm-hmm. be clear about this. Yeah. He, he's pretty funny. Um, you know, he was supposed to supposed to die in this movie. Fun fact, but uh, he convinced he convinced Peel to to let his character not die. He has a pretty goofy way of surviving too. I think that's <laughs> funny. But um, yeah, so he like he figures out by watching like hours of the security footage that like there's this one cloud in the sky that doesn't move, and it's been there for months. And like OJ is like, yeah, you know, I think I have been seeing that cloud around, which is <laughs> it's so funny to think that like you would just be like, oh, yeah, I've seen a cloud that never moves for six months <laughs> and I never thought about it till now. But OK, <laughs> but that's just funny. Um, But yeah, and then they're like out there like staring at the clouds like, so you're telling me like we're looking at the alien craft right now. And that's such like a spooky scene because they like. You know, it's been there the whole time. And then it's just like, okay, like the thing that's menacing them is right there in the shot, in the scene. Right. You just can't see it right now. Right. That's really creepy. Yeah. Like even more than like the lurking terror, the fact that it's literally just right there. It's just there. <laughs> you it's know right where there. it is. Yeah. It's um, very, very effective and creepy. 
Um, and that's where I think like a, a lot of the, there's been some comparisons with this movie um, to Jaws, mm-hmm. which I think is, is pretty good. Like the way that there's like this lurking terror that doesn't show up for a lot of a movie, but you know, it's there and you see the evidence of it. Right. That's why I, I said, I compared it to a creature feature earlier. It's like it, it cause I mean, first of all, it is, we, we learn, um, but um, yeah. Um, but second of all, it really does have like, I mean, even like the end when they're like trying to, to like wrangle it, it has a very like that the scenes with the boat at that close out jaws. Um, yeah. You know, like they're, yeah. It, it has like very similar vibes. They like have like their plans are going to catch it. That's going to be fine. I mean, not necessarily catch it, but get it on film. So sort of the same. Um, 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 yeah. So, it, you know, it, it very much definitely. I mean, it definitely has jaws on the brain because this is Jordan Peele, like trying to think about big blockbuster movies right um which yeah which if you're jordan peele he probably can't think about without thinking about jaws because he's so in tune with like movie history he's very much aware mm-hmm. of jaws as like the original blockbuster so um, right you know um yeah and so i also like that the the motivation at this point for the haywood family uh is not like oh we need to get away from this fucking alien craft. That's they gotta get us. money. Um, we gotta get it on film. <laughs> we gotta. We're gonna sell this to Oprah. <laughs> hey, it's so real. It's so real. Um, I would. Yeah, I do like that they keep saying Oprah too. They're like, that's Oprah. That's an Oprah shot. Um, um, it's yeah. so funny because if I had to think of like who I would first go to in the media with a um like extraterrestrial footage, I don't think it's Oprah. I mean. It's just not her thing. Um, <laughs> well, it's so, it sort of ties into like the whole idea of the movie is that like it's not just about surviving this uh, like incalculable force. That there, it's about exploitation to a certain. Of course, degree. yeah, 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 yeah. They're trying to they're trying to get this shot, get this film, so that they can make a bunch of money, and they're willing to put themselves at risk knowingly uh, to get that. Yes. Specifically Daniel Kaluuya. I mean, he gets the others on board, but you know, there are moments where some of the others kind of think about noping out. Um, they're like, Mm-mm, I, I don't think. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, the but title, the-, the title is very fitting in this movie, yes. and it comes up multiple times. There's, there's many times that people just go like, nope, yeah. nope, nope. It's also they, they like literally always, nope the out. always pretty funny every time. Um, very yeah. played for very good laughs every time somebody says nope. Um, um. You would say nope. To, I mean, I, I mean, great reaction. Um, if I could put words out, if I lived through this experience, that might be the only thing I would say. I don't think I would get a single word out. It would just be like running away. Um, yeah. But um, I'm not like them. I couldn't think <laughs> I can do this in order to make millions of dollars. I would think that thing cannot ever lay, I guess, eyes. I don't know if it has eyes upon me ever again. That cannot happen. That is what I would think. Um, <laughs> because that thing is terrifying. Um, but, you know, that's just me. More power to him. Yeah. I respect the uh, the grind for the money. Um, yeah. You got you got to work for that dollar. Definitely. I mean, of course, it's also all like, a, there's also like a commentary on like, you know, the film industry wrapped up in there and um, all yeah. that. So um, the, the fact well, that I, they are willing to put themselves like, at like risk to their lives for money is, you know, it also is very much thematically appropriate. Well, yeah, I do think this movie is very clearly about the film industry itself. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, just writ large, it's yes. about like the film industry and its willingness to overlook 
exploitation in exchange for money. Right. Um, it's a little more specifically um, about uh, its treatment of animals and um, its willingness to forget that like dangerous animals are still dangerous, even if you think you've got them trained. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely, it's definitely got some of that. That's how the Gordy stuff comes in um, for obvious reasons. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think it's got a lot of that too. Um, and yeah. about just how it treats, um, especially like the behind the scenes folks, the crew. Um, yeah. As, as like sort of like disposable, um, like, yeah. Like, well, it- yeah, it's interchangeable. Got a um, um, also, it's hard to ignore like the race elements. Um, so that's also yeah. a part of it. Um, how it treats. Yeah, it's got a wider message yeah. about Hollywood yeah. as well, about just like how they treat every like people and yeah. uh, like everyone is viewed like somewhat as disposable. Right. Um, and it uses its treatment of animals as a metaphor for that. Right. Um, so the big revelation that happens in this movie, and this is definitely where you want to stop. If you're planning on uh, still seeing this movie, we move, we've kind of tiptoed around it up till now, but um, the big revelation in this movie is that what they're, what is menacing them is not an alien craft, even though they assume it to be that. And it looks like that they see like a flying saucer shape. They figure out, this is actually an alien creature. Yes. The whole the whole entity, the whole ship is actually one gigantic creature, alien. A, a giant predator. Um and um uh, OJ is the one who figures that out, and he mostly figures it out through its behavior. And he's saying, like, this he knows this animals. Behaves. Yeah, he knows animals. That's his one big thing. He's very in touch with animals. He's the one who understands how to respect them. Like when they're about to blow up, he's the one who knows. And he understands that this is an animal and it's following very specific behavioral patterns um, that he eventually uses to his advantage. He's like, right. You know, you, you can't look it in the eye. It's going to be thrown off by bright colors and sudden movements. It's quote unquote. I it's tough questions yeah. about the eye. Um. <laughs> you just like you just don't look in its general direction at but all. But especially not in like that circular thing that looks like the bottom orb of the yeah. of the UFO. It seems like. you don't know what its eye actually is, <laughs> or if it has one. But it's it's very cool the shots that we get to see of the alien because you know at first we just get very brief glimpses and it moves it very quickly. Like yeah, it looks like a flying saucer. And the way that it moves over the mountains and stuff is very creepy. Like, the, it just sort of glides and drifts. Um, but then, like, later in the movie, you see it actually open up. And it's, like, this big gossamer creation, like, with long, flowing, like, fabric-y kind of body parts. Yeah. Uh, Extremely fabric-y. very unnerving and surreal. Yeah. Yeah, I would not want to face that in the wild. Um, so that that is the thing that's that's the main uh, the main antagonist in this film. The movie calls it Jean Jacket. So if we call it Jean, Jean Jacket, Jacket yeah. we can we can refer to it by name. Um, they they call it it's like a horse name. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, it is Jean Jacket is it's kind of interesting because once you find out that Jean Jacket's like like a predator, just like an animal, and then it becomes that in the movie, and it does have like a certain like. It's not cute and lovable, but it's, it, it does have very like animalistic qualities. Like it's like, it's just doing its thing. Like, it's just like, I'm just trying to eat. Like, I don't yeah. know. Like 
it's not like especially menacing um like in in that it's like not doing anything that like it's just it's following its nature um um which is an interesting uh i mean it's kind of interesting tack to use for an alien movie because most alien horror movies do make aliens out to be like very intelligent yeah, like a humanoid creatures. type intelligence. Yeah. It, like, and this is not an inte- a particularly intelligent creature. I mean, it's big and it's powerful by virtue of being big and powerful, <laughs> and it like disrupts, you know, electro whatever. I don't. I'm not a fucking uh, scientist. Um, um, it it somehow does that with electricity. Let's just leave it at yeah. that. Um, you can turn off the electricity. Um, Spider Man, turn off the dark. Um. Um, oh no no <laughs> um jean jacket turn off the power um um yeah but it's like um it's it's just like an animal like it's not really like there's no like it's not like rational thought you know what i mean like it's not like plotting in the same yeah. way um, it's that, just like, following its instincts right and, and it's and not like it's a, not like, like a predatory i'm here to take over instincts. the world it's, you know it's none of that it's just like this isn't like a, a a xenomorph or predator or you know um whatever yeah you know um it's a little bit less those, those are the main ones yeah yeah um <laughs> more of the worlds and those things um and the 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 un, that understanding of uh jean jacket is contrasting with how jupe treats jean jacket yes um which is the other half of this is uh we find out that uh jupe has known about this thing for a long time and has actually been like feeding it horses and incorporating it into a new evening show it at his little theme park ranch thing (laughs) yes well i think he gives its first full performance we see it i think he's been planning to unveil it yeah yeah yeah, he's been like because clearly been... the moment that he did that for an audience, they would be all over the news. Um. Yeah, <laughs> um. that's right. You know, I, you know, I didn't quite pick up on that while I was watching. I was like, "Wow, how has nobody heard of this before?" But yeah, that is the first performance. Yes. That that makes a he's lot been more making sense. sure that it was going to happen, um, and just making sure that he could, you know, what it is. So what Jupe is obviously Jupe has had a trauma with animals. Now Jupe is trying to control this this animal. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's like, Jupe's big mistake is that like, you just can't fucking control a wild animal. Um, and that's, you know, that's part of like this movie's commentary on how Hollywood treats animals. Um, um, yeah. Like, but Jupe thinks like, you know what? I figured out that it comes here at this time every day if I put out a horse. So it's going to do that again. And it's going to take the horse and leave because that's what it's done every single time. As opposed to like thinking like, Hmm, maybe it's dangerous if there's other food here for it when I bring it. Yeah. Like, um, so he thinks he's got this thing under control, right. but really it's just an illusion that up till now, the thing has decided not to kill him. Right. And thus surely it won't kill a, like a hundred people if they're out there in the stands watching this thing come in. Well, Jupe fucked up. Jupe. Yeah. Jupe. Jupe got a bunch of people killed. Um, yeah. So there's this big horrifying scene where he's like <laughs> trying to let the horse out. And then like the thing comes, he's like, Oh, it's coming earlier than it usually does. And then it's just like lots of screaming. And like, I, I find it interesting that 
like the scenes with the alien eating people is like really cool because like they don't show a lot of like graphic stuff up front they just kind of like show a lot of screaming and like the alien thing and then a lot of like the the inside thing which is really spooky because it's like made out of like gossamer like fabric and you like just kind of see people shooting up through the the folds of this thing yeah (laughs) and that's it and you hear people just screaming for hours and hours it's very quick flashes of people inside too like you don't yeah you don't quite understand what's happening you see like people like clearly like a bunch of people like in one enclosed space but like the walls are just like fabric it looks like so you know uh, and they're like clearly like screaming and terrified um of course who wouldn't be um and you there are scenes where like you're not inside the alien anymore but you can still hear people screaming because the alien is nearby which is very unsettling um it's just like drifting open over with like a cloud of screaming moving along that it kind of reminds me of the scene in annihilation where after like that bear creature kills the woman it's like starts using her voice yeah. and like screaming with it. That it's was just a very like, upsetting uh. scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you already know that they're that they're screwed, that they're like done for, but you're still hearing the screams and the aliens moving around with the screams inside it. Yeah. It's very disturbing. Um but yeah, basically Jupe just underestimated this creature. And I think part of that ties back to his like traumatic event. Absolutely, I think chimpanzee because he he's the only one who survived. No, I guess that girl. That's true. Yeah, the girl did survive, although like unfortunately he brought her to the unveiling of Jean Jacket. So so she uh, she got killed. She got it. Um, but I think like so there's a scene where like the the chimp is about to come for him, and he's hiding under the table, like just like looking through the tablecloth at the chimp approaching and the chimp just gives him a fist bump. And my interpretation of that scene is that he thinks that the chimp is like good friends with him because they've done fist. Bumps the chimp recognizes him and is stopping its tirade because it's yeah, because it's him. Yeah. But really it's because he's like, because he's under the table and because his eyes are covered by the tablecloth, he's not seen as threatening to the chimp. Right. And that goes back to, oj's whole thing about like you have to respect the creature you have to follow its rules like you can't treat it like a human being you have to treat it like like a like a different entity that you've made an agreement with and you have to follow that agreement absolutely part of the agreement is clearly like don't look it in the eyes Mm -hmm. that's a big thing for like predators dangerous animals and that's part of the thing with this um this alien creature as well yeah, I think that's so, right. I think you're right. I think Jupe completely misinterprets like this animal's behavior and that's that's like his downfall ultimately. Like he he thought he understood it and he just completely misread what was happening. He, and and it's like an egotistical thing too. Like he he thought it was him. Yeah. He thought he was the reason this this chimp stopped being being violent. And of course, yeah. he also had to deal with the trauma of like while he's thinking that this chimp stopped being violent on his behalf, it then got shot in the head and killed like um you know so he's also thinking like maybe like if if i'd had longer this chimp could have lived you know <laughs> um yeah so he uh, thinks like he can make friends with it and it'll be fine yeah and but... and stop it from killing other people and then it can live longer so he's got this whole like kind of understandable but totally fucked up logic in his head um also of course he's 
traumatized so hard to fault him for however yeah. he deals with that trauma um <laughs> well, it makes him a, he's a he's a very interesting character for yeah. that reason like also you he's steven yen that, so you know yeah, yeah. i mean steven yen's always yeah. great and like he's been he's been great and everything he's been in recently mm. um but he does make a, a very major mistake in his understanding of animals and their behavior and his relationship to animals specifically because again, I do think a lot of it comes back to like a sort of ego issue. He thinks that somehow he is the one who can tame them. Um, whereas OJ understands you're not taming anything. You're you're playing by its rules and using those to your advantage. Like, um, yeah. um, so um, that that's that's something that Jupe just does not does not get. Um, and unfortunately, right. he gets a bunch of people killed because of it. So that's too bad, including yeah. his wife and kids. So also too bad. Yeah, um, wife and kids, a bunch the of other survivor kids, of the chimp in, chimp attack. Yeah, lots of children get <laughs> killed here by this alien. Um, which is a long-standing, I will say, a long-standing classic creature feature tradition. As somebody who has watched a bunch of creature features after this movie, um, I had a little mini, including Jaws, including Jaws. Yes. So you got to have a kid die. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be. I have had a, a creature feature summer after this movie. Um, and in oh, the nice. old ones, a very many of them featured a kid dying. It was very, very common. It is not common at all anymore. Um, movies are do not have the balls to kill kids most of the time. This movie did. This movie killed a bunch of kids. This movie, <laughs> hell yeah. This movie looked modern horror in the eyes and said, "Fuck you." Um, <laughs> um, respect to that. Um, I mean, you don't so see it here. It. Obviously, there are movies. Um, what was the one I watched recent? I watched one recently where literally I watched a kid's arm get ripped off and then he got eaten, and I was like, "All right, oh my God. Um, we're doing this." It was very it chapter one. Um, um, it is the other recent example, obviously, where a kid yeah. did get did get it in the early <laughs> early on. Oh man, yeah. I you know what? I watched uh, the Changeling recently. And um, it was like, it really shocked me actually how like they, they drown a kid in that mm -hmm. movie and it's like pretty graphically done. And I'm like, wow, like I can't remember the last time I've watched a movie where a kid is killed like this graphically other than um, God, what was it? The uh, Dr. Strange, not, not Dr. Strange, Dr. Sleep. That's the one. <laughs> that's the only graphic child murder I've seen in a recent movie that's come out. It might've been, um, I think it was Grizzly. I think Grizzly has a child get eaten by the bear. Okay. I can't. It, it was one of these creature features. Yeah, I know you. Were, yeah, I, I know you were watching that and a couple other. I don't. I, creature it was movies. Grizzly or Slugs, maybe. Um, <laughs> the Slugs got him. The Slugs movie was actually pretty good. I will plug the Slugs movie. Um, plug the Slugs. It was like very creepy, crawly, oozy, goozy, gross. Um, and I enjoyed it. Um, they are, they are not, those are not slugs to be fucked with is what I'll say about the slugs. Um, no. Um, but yeah, I, so like, I think it was grizzly, but yeah. So yeah, the, it, it was like, it's a, it's like a long standing classic creature feature tradition. A kid has to die. So you know that this animal's fully out of control. Um, and yeah. Nope, Nope leaned into that hard. So respect. Um, yeah. I like to think Nope specifically knew about old creature features doing this and newer ones never doing it. And decided to run with it. I like to think Jordan Peele yeah. recognized that because it's Jordan Peele. I do think that there's also a fun contrast to this happening at like the goofy little silly cowboy ranch where they've got like a you can get your picture taken in the old well and stuff like that. Yeah. And then yeah. like this horrible 
graphic mass murder thing happens. Um, yeah. And so that's not really the end of the whole monster attack thing here because afterwards it goes over to the the other ranch the the, the actual ranch. ranch the the yeah. jupe, the jupe ranch is like an amusement park yeah the haywood ranch is a real functioning ranch <laughs> the haywood ranch and it's like trying to attack them there but it, like they all just go inside and then it just like rains blood over the entire it house. is so gross and super cool <laughs> yeah it is a such really a great good scene combination of like wow this is great and also very disgusting because <laughs> well this is like the first time like so you've seen all of these people get sucked up into this alien and so you're like well this probably doesn't end well for them but you don't really know and then all of a sudden you're watching their blood and the things that this animal could not digest get rained back down on this house and that is like Like, your clearest sign that like those people met a very unhappy and violent end like it's all like the pocket change and like other there are some large items in there too there's like some like because that alien that alien was like i am hungry and there are a lot of people here and i'm gonna be undiscerning and it just sucked up some shit like yeah. <laughs> and so it you know it's kind of like that early scene where we got the change falling out of the that's sky what it, i mean that, this the, is how you learn that that's what actually happened right yeah um here you've also got the blood and everything so it's clear that like he's not this is like different and what they figure out is like because he came after like a training horse that they had on the ranch that had like a bunch of flags attached to it and stuff mm-hmm. And he couldn't really digest that. And they figure it like fucked up his digestion. And then that's why he spit out all the blood and stuff. It's kind of like this thing. Like, it's kind of like if you swallow like <laughs> fucking glass or something. Like, it was like, <laughs> like this thing was just like, ah, fuck. Um, <laughs> if you tried to, it, it's like the equivalent if you tried to uh, like swallow a like a plastic hamburger that was attached to like a bunch of those like uh scarves that a clown pulls out of his pocket. oh my god that was very, <laughs> very specific and upsetting and true um well it's the same it's fake food with a bunch of flags tagged. yeah i agree i agree um uh but but that's that's like how they figure out like oh so that like there's some ways that we can fuck with this thing right and exactly yes like that leads to like the big final scene. It also wait, they... I want to say it leads to some very cool shots when nighttime passes and they go out in the morning and you see the blood soaked house. Like it was a oh, very yeah. white ranch house. It was, you know, well kept in white paint. Um, and then the next morning it is like soaked with blood. So you see like red streaking down it. It's upsetting, but a very cool visual. Yeah. Very, that very blood soaked cool. house is such a classic horror movie visual it's the sort of thing that you'd expect to see in like some really over-the-top 80s like practical effects yeah almost like reminiscent of like giallo um it's it's very cool um very good moment when we get to see the blood-soaked house um and actually from there it's like all like daylight shit um which is also very cool um i like how much of this movie is like daylight horror um yeah, there's a lot of like great daylight horror in yeah. this, and it works because like the creature is so creepy, and like they use it just right so that like a lot of the time you're not seeing it head on, you're seeing it like way up in the sky from a low angle, mm-hmm. you're seeing it duck behind the mountains and the clouds, right? Um, 
it makes it a lot creepier. Um, it's it's very effectively done. So like yeah, even in daylight, it's still very scary. I mean, I'm I'm um, pro daylight horror, so I'm just very happy with that. I like when I can yeah. see the screen, so it's kind of nice. Um, it's harder to pull off, but yeah. when you can do it, it's top notch. Um, hey, so, any yeah, summer they, blockbuster horror worth its salt can can pull it off. So Jordan Peele knows what should it, be what able to, should be able to. I said worth its salt. So yeah. if <laughs> I I I agree, yeah. I agree. Okay. Um. So yeah, like the big final scene here is that they're finally trying to like capture this thing on film without all getting killed, even though they've they've survived like three different attacks from the thing at this point, and they're like are kind of like why why don't we just like leave there's like a whole section where they like hide at this like the security camera guys place in town and stuff yes yeah nothing too noteworthy happens there although it's you know it's perfectly fine bit of the movie oh yeah it's good stuff it's just you know it's not like big plot moments um yeah it's like unwind the tension yeah Yeah. um what you really learn is it like and we haven't even really talked about her much, but Kiki Palmer's character is like kind of ready to call it quits with, uh, with like getting the alien. She's like, did you see what happened back? There? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then that was like her, like her idea from the beginning is like, she's like, we got to get this thing. And then like, I think the end, like, uh, so Kiki Palmer's character, first of all, Kiki Palmer is fucking amazing in this movie incredible performance she's Um, so cool and badass and um, like just has so many great lines yeah um but she also undergoes like a pretty i mean i think a a pretty real character arc in this movie um you know she's the one who's like she's clearly like the flaky sibling um and she's like she's like yeah i just want to make money um so she's like yeah let's get this alien whatever she's not thinking it's going to be serious and then she realizes oh fuck (laughs) Um, (laughs) um and like that's what we're seeing here but in the end she's the one who gets the shots that matter um yeah you know um so like she really has like a huge i mean she has a pretty she has like the defining character arc of the movie in a lot of ways um because she really like goes through like a a pretty solid transformation and who she is and what she's like capable of she learns a lot about herself i think um yeah so um it's pretty cool um and she but she at this point in the movie is like ah you know we just you know we have this apartment here (laughs) we'll have to go back to where that alien's nesting um (laughs) (laughs) um um but uh yeah uh but daniel cluey is like oj he's like oh well y'all can stay i've got to do this and you know i think a lot of it is of course he doesn't want to lose his father's ranch um yeah he's more attached to the ranch he's like feels like he's got to keep carrying on the family business and of course we learned some of that is like um you know, Daniel Kaluuya, uh, OJ has always been involved in the ranch business. Unfortunately, M has maybe sometimes been sidelined by her dad um, in some ways, or yeah. so she feels. Um, and so, you know, there's obviously some family dynamics there that are worth unpacking and are a part of the reason why maybe she doesn't initially think, yeah, we need to save the ranch at all costs, even if there's an alien there. <laughs> um, whereas OJ does think so. Um, he obviously, yeah. you know, um, so... You know. there's a big there's a big like uh through line in the movie where it's like she 
she uh, uh her dad wouldn't let her help out when they were filming the scorpion king with which is horses. one of the funniest recurring jokes in this movie is references to the scorpion king that is i love so that they were the scorpion king into this that yeah. like we're that far out from it that it's like a vintage movie that gets talked about now i like it being uh, a meme because we need to make the scorpion king a meme that movie was just like fucking ridiculous so it's very funny yeah um i really appreciated the scorpion king jokes in this movie it's brought to head where uh daniel kaluuya does his whole final scene wearing a hoodie that's like a crew hoodie from the scorpion yeah they need to fucking merch that shit out i would buy one of those so fast Um, absolutely (laughs) it was fucking hilarious um absolutely one of the better parts of this movie um was that was that joke i mean this movie I mean, we're not, we can't hit them all, but there are a lot of references to other like big, like sort of like action horror sci-fi genre blockbusters. Um, Yeah. It's just like, it's like loaded with them, which is super cool. I mean, obviously you expect Jordan Peele knows his shit, but he definitely shows it off here. Um, (laughs) um, It's just a ton of references and that in ways that I don't think us and um, get out did quite as explicitly, you know, um, this movie is like explicitly calling out some of its references, which is super cool uh, and fun. Yeah. Um, so, um, but the Scorpion King is just a funny one. It's just so funny. Why the Scorpion King? You know, they- I love anyone referencing just like a like not not an obscure movie, but like a movie that like nobody. It's not like we're calling back to it because it's like, oh yes, this is a groundbreaking film that has changed cinema. It's I mean, just it's like a, a movie that people saw that is i was gonna like say it's a movie silly. that like it's i wouldn't call it obscure but it's definitely like a forgotten movie like people don't still talk about it people don't think about the scorpion king anymore um um but clearly jordan peele does um it's kind of a funny like um juxtaposition against nope because if my memory serves me correctly the scorpion king was a a blockbuster with less good cgi let's say um so well yeah that's probably what it's best known for is that like people still make fun of the cgi yeah so um so um you know in a lot of ways he's jordan peele is like making a very funny reference and also like flexing like look what i did look what i did because this movie looks fucking great like um so um the effects in this movie are leaps and bounds better um so so good i i again i really think that the design of the alien is so cool yeah in this like the way it's like this long flowing gossamery thing like i i don't think i've ever seen an alien design like that before i'm sure there's something similar out there but this is no and it's so cool when like its own thing you've spent all like a good chunk of the movie thinking it's just like a flying saucer and then all of a sudden it's like a cloth creation. It is like a pretty like fucking awesome reveal when it happens. And you're yeah. like, what the fuck? Um, it makes all of the teases in the trailers with the wacky waving inflatable flailing arm tube men so much more meaningful because the, the creature is sort of like one of those, like in the way that it moves and like what it's made out of. Yeah. Um, kind of flows. Yeah. And, moves. Um, and so like the tube men are, are also important here because in, in this scene, last scene, they use them to kind of track the creature's movement since it takes out electricity where it goes so they can see 
when the two men fall. So um, so funny. Also, you know, men get to play a pivotal role. (laughs) They're also moving and colorful, so they like kind of keep it at a at a distance to a certain extent. Right. Um, They're they're using like movement and color to try to kind of push it back a little bit. Right. Um. But yeah, like uh, OJ is like riding around on the horse. Wait, we should talk about some of the other characters who have shown up for this this sequence. Um, we can, yeah, we can. Well, I, uh, there's the one of them is Oz Perkins. <laughs> it's pretty, uh, pretty notable. Um, Anthony Perkins' son. Um, um, he's a filmmaker mm-hmm. who's the most pretentious filmmaker on the planet. Um, just like so full of shit um, and full of himself. <laughs> um, Thing is notable, of course, that a filmmaker shows up and is like, "Yeah, we can get this," and then is just like a complete piece of shit. Um, he's uh, the he's the, like the cinematographer guy. Or yeah, like he's the, the director. He's the director. He's he's out there. Okay. He's he's the he shows up and he's he's in the little tent with um with Angel, and he, I thought that was Michael Wincott. Was the one in was the that tent. him? I thought that the, the the commercial director was the one in the beginning. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, okay. Michael Wynn. going off the credits. Yes. Because they're like the no, guy. You're right. The guy you're totally right. Rec- you're totally right. The guy that they recruit is the cinematographer. Yes. Because they just need somebody like who they know is going to get the shot. And yes. they recruit the cinematographer. And they're like, you're going to need to like deal with the fact that it takes out electricity or something. And he shows up with like his own mechanical camera. Because of course like, he did. Didn't, didn't I tell you this man would bring a non-electric camera? Yes, that is, that is. And that's M who says that. Uh, you're totally right. Yeah. I'm it, like I said, it's been a month since I've seen this yeah. movie. Uh, no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, getting my, my wires crossed. Um, but he's, I mean, I think it's just like notable that like, it's this, um, this guy shows up and he's supposed to get the shot. And instead of, I mean, spoilers, but instead of getting the shot, he's like, he gets it. And then he's like, I just, we don't deserve this. And I'm going to be eaten by this alien. Like <laughs> he run, he like runs out after it with the camera to try to get like closer shots. And right. he just gets eaten. Right. right. Talk about but like yeah. not caring about like the risks or like, you know, like not being, having any sort of like personal boundaries. Well, like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's another, another point of like the, the egotism of Hollywood, like yes. that they're running, running themselves into into risks for no reason uh in the like right in the line of this really dangerous animal right there's also a random tmz reporter who does the same <laughs> I did think that was funny that they were like oh no tmz is here yes which is also funny that just tmz showed up um i mean tmz tmz would um tmz somehow yeah. has a way of figuring this shit out and is is TMZ is on its shit, but because um, there was already like the mysterious disappearance of all those people at the um, at Jupiter's claim, but that's been like so twenty four hours by the time we're filming. This, right? It's like not reporters are poking around, but TMZ is the one that's driving a motorcycle through the area while they're trying to capture. Also, the, the reporter is played thing. by Devin Gray, who is not a big name, but I did just see him in another recent release called Hypochondriac that I should plug because he was very good in it. Um, a oh, nice okay. queer horror film. Devin Gray is a is a gay man, um, um, and he was very good in this in this movie, Hypochondriac, as well. So. He's best known for portraying teenage Dexter. Yes, in the TV he series did Dexter. play teenage Dexter, uh, which is very funny to me. Um, um, but yeah, so um, he w- it, that was a another funny like again. It's just like all about like the industry and about how the industry like cannibalizes itself, right? Um, so um, oh my god the guy the guy who played 
so I was like, wait a minute, why is Gordy credited as a person? So like, obviously he's CGI, but the guy who played him is like the guy who plays all of like the CGI apes. It's Terry Notari. Oh my God. Who was in the planet of the apes series. And also was in that weird art movie that was dominated for an Oscar a few years ago. Can you remember the name of that? Um, It was set like in an art gallery and it was like the, there was a scene where he came in, like acted like a, the square. That's oh, it. The square. yes. He came yeah. in acting like a chimp and like beat the shit out of a bunch of people and stuff. Yeah. Uh, as like a performance art. But like, that, wow. I love that. That's like his thing. It's just like he's the chimp guy when you when you need somebody to act like a chimp. He's also the that's Groot Terry guy. Notari. He's Groot. Like the, Do you see the he, physical, yeah, the, he, mo-cap, the mocap, the mocap. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, like he's, he's all, he's a big mocap yeah. guy. He's been, he's been a Lion King too, the new one. Yeah. I don't know if that's something you want on your credits at this point. I but, wouldn't, but hey. Uh, yeah, he was on Kong He Skull was the Island. Silver Surfer mocap in Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. Ooh, oh boy. That's um, you know, yeah. a thing that we all want on our on our resume. Um, oh my god, he was the <laughs> movement coach on the village. Wow. You know what? He's done some he's done some work. Um the lot of lot of mocap stuff. And a lot of movement coaching. Uh-huh. He's done yeah. just movement coaching, including he movement coached how the Grinch stole Christmas, the live action one. Hope he told uh mm. what's his name how to do that movie. Um <laughs> Um, wow oh my god he was a movement coach on warcraft 2016 um oh no um also they made that movie gromash hellscream i don't i saw that movie and i don't remember who gromash hellscream was um Mm. but um you know we've all been there um have we have we all um anyway so yeah yeah this is this is this is a cinematographer here who's like trying to trying to capture it they've got them out in like a tent yes he and the tech guy are like trying to capture this thing on film. Meanwhile, OJ's riding around the horse trying to draw it out. And Kiki Palmer is watching the cameras inside the house. Um, and they're all just like trying to trying to hunt this thing down. Um, like we said, the cinematographer gets it pretty quickly. Gets um, it. He gets it. Well, it's and not even pretty quickly. It's that he like he gets the shot. It's after they've already uh, got the shot. And then he's just like, "We what does he say? I can't remember. He says something to the effect of like, we don't deserve to to witness this. something ridiculous and like completely like full of shit. Like, <laughs> shut the fuck up, dude. Um, yeah. And then he just His goes thing and like, like tries. To, he's like saying he's getting a shot, but he just is like getting eaten. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you if they did recover the footage from that camera, it would probably be pretty incredible. Yes. I don't know if they ever do. But, they might um, because those old like those old cameras. I'm just saying, some some it's like the older you know older tech could survive some shit. Yeah, um, that's that. Uh, once the film is printed, as long as it doesn't get exposed to the light, yeah, it might be okay. Um. So yeah, that like, and then the tech guy almost gets eaten, but he gets like rolled up in this plastic sheet thing and like a bunch of barbed wire yeah. and stuff. Well, he, he does it to him. Like he realizes what he's doing and he wraps himself yeah. up in it. And then the thing tries to eat him with the barbed wire and can't eat the barbed wire. So it spits him out. And then like, so he survives that way. Which is pretty funny. Um, um, also like good for him. Um, um, you know, 
got spit back out by the alien. He, in theory, has had the most up close and personal encounter with this thing. By that point, you know, he's been inside it and then yeah. spit, spat back out. Um, yeah. You know, and OJ has like sort of like a, a, a hero's charge towards the thing. Yes. To like try to save his sister and like give her a chance to escape. And this is after which... it's like been like fucked up by eating barbed wire and shit. So it's like yeah. coming apart. Like it's like flailing around. It's gossamer strips are just like doing their own thing. It's, it's yeah, and becoming a very strange creature. At this point, creature. they pretty much think that the two of them are the only ones alive because they don't know whether the tech guy made it. And... So, like, she gets on the motorcycle from the TMZ guy who got eaten <laughs> himself and, like, drives off to try to draw the thing away. Well, she thinks she's, like, also, yeah. like, escaping while her brother's yeah. being eaten. She's also under mm-hmm. that impression that that's what's happening, um, that he was buying her time. Um, so she goes back to Jupiter's claim. Um, yeah. To... to I, get, I don't know if she had a plan by the time she arrives there, but she quickly develops yeah. one. <laughs> she's kind of like, she's definitely like improving it sort of, but she also clearly has some idea that like getting there in particular is what's going to give her the best shot. Right. Um, and <laughs> uh, I love this. There's this big balloon there. So like, good. Like a big parade type balloon of Jupe himself. Yes. Is like like a big centerpiece of this place, and she sort of releases it, like to go do battle with the monster. <laughs> to go do battle, <laughs> it's like bait. It's like a lure. Well, yeah, yeah. No, she's hoping he's gonna try to eat it because she's like, all right, when this thing eats like not good stuff, it fucks him up, and maybe this thing will like explode and kill him, and. Then she's like, take, because at this point they have no idea if they have any footage of it or not, because the guy with the camera got eaten. So she's trying to get the only way she can to like get footage of this thing. She's using the, the stupid little mo- la- well f- camera. Like they have this, this well we reference to the well camera. Obviously. We did sort of, but I didn't explain what it actually is. There's like a well in this place and you look into it and there's a camera at the bottom. And if you put money in, it takes your picture and then you get a picture of yourself looking into the well. Right. Like great souvenir. I know, but, but I would totally do that. Especially as a kid. (laughs) She's using this thing and she, she uses like a pile of quarters that are like clearly came out of jean jacket (laughs) at some point because, so they came out of all the dead people's pockets. Gotta put them to you somehow. And she's just feeding him into this thing, like taking picture after picture. And it's like, you know, it's it's tying back to like the Edward Moybridge thing. It's like this is the the first version of uh, cinema here. We're, we're taking individual shots and putting them together. Right. Um, and she's taking like long time between each frame, but she's still like making a, a very slow motion motion picture. Right. Um, and she's taking shots of the thing and uh, Jean Jacket goes to attack the balloon and then just fucking explodes. And she gets she gets the shot. She does. She gets a great shot yes. of Jean Jacket attacking this thing. Uh, um, she does. Good for her. Yeah. And then the end of the movie is like all like the cops and the press showing up because like they well, they I see think everybody there's... has seen 
<laughs> more crazy stuff going down at Jupiter's claim. There's a, well, there's uh, a giant cloth monster. It's <laughs> kind of hard to miss. And then an OJ shows up on the horse. Looking badass. Looking like, yeah, looking badass like the heroes. And you know that he survived. And then you see like that the, the last photo comes out. And you see they got the perfect shot of this thing. Hell yeah. Right over the well. And that's it. Yeah. But, uh, that like that ending is so solid. Yes. Like every every bit of it is just super satisfactory. Like, you know, they give you all the danger and the risk and like, you know, like they could totally die at any point and it would make sense in the movie. And yet, you know, your favorite characters make it out and um, they get the shot. They like presumably get all the fame and manage to save the ranch. It's it's a good ending. to that. Yeah, we don't really see like the aftermath of this, but presumably they, they those photos, you know, they uh, they get to make yeah. money off of them. You definitely, definitely be able to sell the story. Like, even if people don't believe you for whatever reason, you can make yourself the alien ranch now. <laughs> oh, and also like you could totally, you'd totally get a chance to do like the talk show circuit and shit like that. Um, yeah. And then you probably get a chance to host some like discovery channel alien encounters. <laughs> like, yeah, that, show. Um, that's the end. That's the end story here. You get a reality show on Warner brothers discovery. Yeah. And then they put that on instead of the Batgirl movie. You get to, oh God, you get to post, um, <laughs> uh, you get to, you get to write the next Amityville horror book that is like dubiously true or something. I mean, in this case it would be true, but you know, the public would perceive it as dubiously true. Um, yeah. Although there are photos. I mean, the photos are pretty convincing. If I saw those photos that she took, I would be like, yeah, that was an alien. That's what that was. It's pretty solid, you know? Uh, but they they're talking all the time about like they you know they don't so much of like the alien photography and stuff is like this blurry out of focus stuff they need to get like the real deal who knows if if people are going to trust this thing made by a crappy amusement park camera that's true you're right but those are hard to fake <laughs> i mean yeah. they're like polaroids essentially they're you know like you don't you can't edit them they come out physical immediately yeah you know? um but yeah, uh, just overall a really good movie, like really sold like the whole sci-fi creature feature mashup um, had a really cool, interesting take on like Hollywood and its exploitation, its treatment of animals. Um, yeah. All in all, I just, I really like this movie. I thought like, you know, Jordan Peele, he keeps putting out great movies and every time people like, you know, is he going to be able to stand up to the previous stuff he's put out? And I think he's done it yet again. Yeah. I mean, this is awesome. Um, I, um, just so good and so much fun. Um, I really enjoyed it. Definitely. Uh, I don't know how he keeps doing it. Um, you know, you'd think like at some point one would be less, impressive but so far they've all been so good <laughs> um he's got a lot of great ideas he like, does he, he yeah. keeps doing different stuff but like stuff that still stays true to like the kind of material that he likes to put out there um yeah he's definitely not he repeating doesn't... himself which is great um and he's you know he's playing with different ideas while still remaining in a certain wheelhouse that he cares about um um I guess if you told me like seven years ago, Jordan Peele would be putting out consistently great horror movies. I'm not sure what I would have, how I would have <laughs> responded to that. 
Yeah, I mean, you it's know, not I, the I've ex- learned expected to... um, route for Jordan Peele for me, but hey, I love it. He's great. Um, I've learned to never doubt creative people with like the kind of stuff they can put out. You know, I mean, uh, people can always switch gears and stuff, but three in a row from someone who was previously only known for doing comedy. Yeah. I mean, that's it's fucking awesome. That's really pretty unprecedented. He's super great. Um, it's a, it's really, uh, been very cool to watch. Cause like I said, I just would not have, I didn't see it coming. Um, but I love it. Um, now he's like a, I mean, he's a major force in horror now. Um, pretty great. Pretty great how that worked out. It kind of makes sense. I mean, there's like always been like some connection between comedy and horror in some ways, but um, it's, yeah. it's, um, it's, you know, it's, yeah. Super- and if you watch a lot of the, you know, the Key and Peele show, he, he's always had like some kind of like horror elements that he likes to work in there. Right. Um, you know, assuming that's coming from him, <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, but it's 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 a different thing entirely to come to like a make a feature film and do it straight up horror. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's almost strange to even have this conversation at this point. I mean, he's a horror guy; he's true and true, uh, one of the greats, right? Already, it's good to see you know i like it's great to see this next generation of horror filmmakers like coming together because there's uh there's a fair number of them out there right now that are that are doing great stuff that are put out more than a couple movies um and it's always it's always good to have your favorite filmmakers that you're you're waiting to see the next thing from absolutely i mean now at this point, every time Jordan Peele wants to put something out, it's like an event. Um, yeah. So we all have it to look forward to every single Hotly time. You know? um, and that just makes the genre better too. Is that like, you know, having event horror makes the genre bigger and better. Yeah. It's more We're definitely in an era more of coming. more event horror coming back. Right. Um, yeah. Um, it's, it's been yeah, happening. Think about all, all the big franchises that are still going. There's a big Halloween movie coming out soon. Although it's the last one for a while. Yeah, it's the last one, but it's, you know, it's going to be a big smash. And uh, people are already excited about the next Scream movie. Halloween, We've got a Scream, new Saw movie that just Peele. got announced. Those are all more. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's been rumors of news about Jason Voorhees movie coming up. Um, that will be an hopefully, event when that hopefully. finally breaks through. Um, there's some like legal trouble there. There has that's... been, but there was recently one mm. of the folks involved in the legal trouble teased that we might hear some news within the next month or so. Um, that's great. So um, I've even heard some rumors that there might, that John Carpenter might be returning to direct a movie. Ooh. I think the, those rumors are, uh, there's not, a final destination. That nothing I'm pretty too sure solid is yet. But, um, Ooh, that would be cool. Um, so yeah, we, I mean, we're, we're getting to we're, horror is making a, an event movie comeback. Um, I feel like horror was once upon a time, an event movie type thing. People used to flock yeah. for horror. Um, horror kind of lost its way. Um, or people lost their taste. Yeah. I don't know. The late, the late 2000s problems. to early 2010s were kind of a dark, dark period for horror, but things are, things are going pretty well I now, they, you know? Yeah. 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 Um just an interesting yeah. A lot happened with horror in the two thousands and early twenty tens. 
that did not make it super um, palatable to wide audiences. Um, but now we're getting to a point where it's becoming more and more uh, of a big draw. I mean, everybody talks yeah. about the horror when it comes out. It's not like and, So, you know, in times where people more and more are uh, like choosing to stay at home and not go out to movies, horror is overperforming at the box office recently. There've been, you know, so many horror movies the last year or so that have done well um, and they've contributed to like big weeks at the box office where in like a lot of movies are underperforming. You know, there's only so many blockbusters these days that are actually getting those blockbuster numbers, yeah. but horror is still consistently putting out We're doing it. Yeah. Above expectation. Yeah. Numbers. You know, um, the box office has made a comeback. Um, we are, we are in better days than we were, you know, not long ago. Um, when every movie was in dire dire situation um top gun is still continuing to add more money to that crazy gross top gun Uh, top gun first of all aside from being fucking great um also has the benefit of just being such like a a feel-good movie a nostalgic throwback style blockbuster in an era where i think or at a time when i think just about everybody wanted something like that like yeah like it was like the ultimate comfort movie that a lot of people needed, I think after the two years that had come prior to that movie's release. (laughs) Um, Right. um, So, you know, um, Top Gun really, really, really benefit. I mean, the fact that Top Gun had to, you know, we started seeing stuff about Top Gun well before COVID. Um, The fact that we had to wait until afterwards to actually see it really worked in its favor, I think, um, in a lot of ways. Not that I think it would have done poorly if it had come out earlier, but like, I think people really needed that. Um, yeah, it's the one we were all waiting yeah, for. Really. Um, I mean, it was such a, it's such a, like a good feel good movie. Um, it, it, it was nice to see that. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the box office is, you know, it's, it's slowly on its, on its way back. Um, um, and horror is, is doing its thing. Horror is doing great. Unfortunately, some other horror that's getting like early good reviews are also being relegated to streaming like the new orphan movie, but that's okay. Um, that is too yeah. bad, but I'm very much looking forward to that yes. movie. Um, who isn't speaking of, you know, con- continuing franchises. Talk about continuing franchises weird. that nobody expected to be continued. Yeah. Um, up there with top gun and, and levels of never thought I'd see a sequel to that movie. Um, yeah um <laughs> let alone a prequel to uh, which apparently... yes this one is a prequel um which perhaps makes more sense if you've seen the first orphan because i'm not sure that there was much room for a sequel after the, after the last <laughs> orphan yeah. um but you know these movies they'll find ways for sequels um you yep. can always find ways that is horror but yeah so nope was great to, to bring it back to nope just a great movie. Yes. Everybody should watch it. Um, it's really a good Ghost summer Hero. movie, so um, watch it soon. I guess that you have to go to yeah. a theater to do that. But um, it's still in theaters. Yeah. You go check it out. Um, and if not, you know, I'm sure it'll be on streaming soon. Just you know, go see it. It's top notch. It'll stuff. definitely be like streaming and home release by Halloween, right? These movies, the turnaround is crazy these days. Um, it's oh, probably yeah. like a Halloween month. It's probably like an October DVD release or something like that. This would be a fun Halloween revisit, you know, 
like add it's to the, the, I'm trying to it's already trying to map out my Halloween. Yeah, movies. I've been doing that too and I I've reached the point where I'm like holding off on rewatching or watching certain movies because I'm like, "Oh, I need to save that for like when I'm in the the Halloween zone." Although I sort of am already. Um I've been watching Pretty Little Liars Original Sin, which is just like all Halloween vibes. Like it's in a small uh-huh. town in October, there's like a Halloween party episode. It's like the whole thing is super Halloween vibes. Um Nice. Plus, like, every other episode references some other, like, classic horror movie. So, um, like, it's just, like, very good show, by the way. Um, if you like, like, soapy teen dramas mixed with slashers. You have to you have to be up for soapy, but um, <laughs> but it's very, very good. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, so I am sort of fully in the Halloween spirit, but I am trying to wait on some of, like, the classics until it's a little bit cooler. Um, All right. We're just on the cusp right now. We're like, we're still in the dog days of summer. Nights are getting but, there though. At least here. Yeah. Nights are like, they're getting down to below 70. I'm, yeah, I'm needing blankets cool overnight again. I'm starting to feel, starting to feel those autumn vibes yeah. coming in. And you, you know, the second, the second that fall starts to peek around the corner, we're going to be fully in Halloween territory. Yes. And that's all we're going to be talking about. So I can't wait. I'm very much looking forward to that. It's coming soon. Uh, but until then, you know, we're we're still playing out the last few days of summer. Don't know what we're going to cover next week, but uh, something we'll keep you something in the loop. Unfortunately, we yeah. can't do the fourth kind. We've already done the fourth kind. Um, <laughs> oh, right. Yes. That episode where we covered the fourth yes. kind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that one's out there somewhere in the ether, somewhere in the ether. Um but yes, until next time, uh, you can find us on all the major platforms, Spotify, Google, Apple. Leave us a review on your favorite platform if you so wish. Um, you can also find us on social media. We are at Buzzed on Movies on Twitter. Or you can send us an email, buzzedonmovies at gmail.com. Let us know how your summer went and what kind of summer vibes you've been playing with your movie watches. And... Until next time, we'll see you at the movies. We will see you at the movies or at what's left of uh, Jupiter's Claim, depending on. (laughs) Love to hang out in the abandoned ruins of Jupiter's Claim. We love ruins here.